The only, the only movie here that's really about the moon is, is my movie. What's your movie again? Moon. Moon? <laughs> oh, moon. I've seen Moon, yeah. I've seen it. Well, I, well, I mean, Night Nightbreed is about creatures from the moon. Yeah, but it's not about the moon. But, well, still, they're from there. That's yeah, but it's not about town. the moon. Well, I thought the theme was about the moon. Well, there's not that, not that the how many movies are there that the take place? Well, your movie takes place on the moon. See? That's really very moony, though. That's quite moony, yeah. Well, I mean, there's the Moonanites from Aqua Team. His people are from the moon. Yeah. His is called Moonraker. <laughs> is that the only thing that's moony about it? Yep. They, they're, yeah, they go to space. That is well, really cool. you could do Greece, in which there's a scene in which they moon. They're like, telling <laughs> the principal or something. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was loose. I thought we were keeping it fat, honestly, playing fast and loose. I honestly can't think of any movies that. Other than Moon. About Moon I've seen Moon. It's a good movie. I've never seen it, but I recently read about it. With Sam Rock. And it was like on my mind. Right. So I was like, okay, that's an obvious pick. Right. It's the movies like Clone and so forth. He's on the Moon. Yeah. Have you watched it yet, or no, am I ruining it? I'm sorry. I've, re- I'll well, I've read some stuff about it, so I know it's, it's Clone. All right. Well, Ooh. Moon and Nights Unite. On the moon, nerds are spanked with moon rocks. <laughs> moon and nights. I think it's 2001 so Space right Odyssey. Now. 2001 Space Odyssey, they find the the monolith on the moon. Yeah. That's the first place they find it, of the course. Moon-o-less. Not chronologically the first time you see it on Earth. The first time you see it is on Earth with the monkeys bashing the, the bones with the thing, and they throw it up, and then it transitions into a... Uh, what, I don't remember what those shots are called. We had to talk about it when we talked about... Uh, not baby. call Cthulhu, but there's a baby. There was the baby in the sky, but the but the the bone turns into the the spaceship. But when something fades into the next thing seamlessly, there's a word for that, and we had to talk about it before I ever forgot what it is. Maybe I'll look it up. Okay. When a scene fades into another seamlessly, I mean it's just I mean it's cert- it's a invisible editing. It's an example of that, but I think there's another word for it. Um, I don't know. It's a type of transition. What are the three types of transitions? That might help us. Three types <laughs> of film transition transitions. Um, oh, that's that's about sentence structure. That's not what we want. Okay. What is a scene transition? No, we know what that is. Uh, I don't know. Whatever. I'm gonna say invisible editing. Because you know, like, we'll say somebody walks out of a room and they're walking out the door, and then the next shot is them coming out of the door. It's like seamless, and you almost don't notice the editing because it's con- the continuity. It's also continuity editing. So, yeah, there's that. Nobody but, likes continuity, anyways. Well, not anymore. Oh, the world is changing, and I'm going to argue, and as part of this podcast, that Baron von Munchausen is one of the first types of my favorite type of, of uh, thing. Or. Ever? Or ever. Well, it's not my favorite thing. It's just my favorite type of thing. It's a type of type of like 
it's not postmodern. It's like post postmodern. It's it's uh there's no name for it, but it's like what Haruki Murakami does. It's just these different levels of reality and unreality intertwining to the point. Inherent Vice does it a little bit. Hmm. It's you know it's very much in the flashback goal. Well, yeah, I mean, well, that's a, that's a different thing that is recent that I like a lot is uh, disjointed timelines, but but that's you know you can trace that back a long way. I mean, especially it's noticeable in Pulp Fiction mm-hmm. or Reservoir Dogs for that matter. So that's why, and I think that's why Quentin Tarantino caught on when he did. I think people saw that and they said, "I like this." Are we recording right now? Yes, we are. Welcome to the Good. Cinema Underground. Excellent. Okay, cool. Where four dudes talk about movies that they love and that you love, and sometimes movies that we don't love and that you don't love, and that no one, no one but only a mother could love. I'm here. I'm Pat Corrigan, and we got Mark Kitchen in the house. Hello. We got Jeff Brandone. Hi. We got Andy Davis. Hello. We're here to talk about movies, and this week's subject was Mark's pick. Mark, why don't you introduce it to us? Explain. Um, we're watching movies. About the moon? The moon. Uh, Movies that take place on the moon. You know, they just reference the moon, basically. Um, Mildly reference the moon. Well, yeah. They have to deal with the moon in some way. Mildly. Um, Somewhat. Yeah. Yes. Hold on a sec here. They just have to mention the moon. Andy, speak into your mic, please. Uh, I'm speaking to my mic. Push it in. Okay. Is it working now? Working? It looks better. It looks better. Functioning? It's functioning. Is it functioning? It looks a little better. Looking better. Hello? This is Andy right here. I'll turn him up. Turn him up. Turn him up. Can you speak to me, Andy? Speak to me, Andy. I'm speaking. Speaking Okay, you're looking pretty good now. Looking good? I'm looking good. A Sausalito cookie. All right. Okay. Yeah, something something happened there. Something got in the mix. Sausalito mix. Sausalito mix. Okay. Good. Good boys. You think there's eggs in that? Eggs and bacon. What's that? Eggs and bacon. Sausalito mix. And Sausalito mix, probably. Maybe. I don't know. I got in the mix. I don't know what that is. Is it in the mix? Like the cook? Like the cookie? Sausalito cookie? Right. Cookie. That's all it could be. Pepperidge Farm. Okay, Mark, so movies about the moon. We're doing movies about the moon, right? Yeah. So just any old thing about the moon. We're playing it fast and loose. You know? Yeah, they could visit the moon. They could talk about the moon. They could They could have moon in the title of the movie. Yeah. They could moon somebody with their butt. Yeah. Like in Greece. Yep. Or uh, uh, Girls' School, I think, is one of them. There's a mooning scene at the end. Phoebe Cates is in that. And, uh, yeah. Pink Flamingos. Pink Flamingos. There's a scene where a band's butthole dances. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's not. I don't know if that's mooning. Mooning implies there's like a flash of butt. Not like we're totally focused on your butt for a half an hour. Like that wouldn't be a moon. That's just showing your. That's butt. That's a super moon. Or maybe that's a even super a blood, blood moon. moon. Yeah. Well, his. Yeah. 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 I'm sure there were times where it was a blood moon. I get it. You get it. Because anal sex. Because anal sex. And this guy had a big butthole, and it was going up and down, up and down. It was a ba ba oo mao mao ba ba oo mao ma ma ba 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 You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, so we got our, we got our two first moon movies for this week, and I picked a moon movie, and Mark picked a moon movie, and those are the first moon movies we're going to be moon talking about. And uh, my movie is Nightbreed. By written and directed by Clive Barker in 1990, based on his novella *Cabal*. And Mark, what do you got for us? 
the Adventures of Baron Munchausen mm-hmm. by Terry Gilliam. Yes, sir. Released in 1988. 1988. Terry Gilliam. Gotta love Terry Gilliam. He's a great man. Word. This is a classic example of Gilliam and his Gilliamness. Gilliamism. Which, uh, which deal would we like to talk about first? Do we have a choice? Do we have a oh, preference? Okay. Do we have a... Let's flip a let's flip a coin. We roll a dice. Roll a dice or something. Well, there's a coin on the table. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> flip it. Heads is uh, Baron and tails is Nightbreed. Because Knight is like the tail of the day. Heads. Heads. So Baron first. Okay. Excellent. Okay, Baron von the Adventures of Baron von Munchausen by Terry Gilliam. Excellent. Gilliamish. Gilliamish. For sure. Yeah. Not even ish, but very gilly. It's been thoroughly gilliamized. This is the gilliamness. Of apparently an older story. So I. Yeah. <clears throat> this was one of the movies that my younger brother um, really liked. Mm-hmm. And I like, see that. I don't know. You didn't have any younger siblings, Pat. No, but I could see a young person liking this because um, it's got stuff for kids, it's got yeah, stuff it's for adults. Fun it's silly. fun for the whole family. It's silly, but it's also kind of adult in parts. But, like, when my brother was into movies, he would just, like, watch them over and over and uh, over again. Ah. Uh. My brother did that, too. Um, yeah, so that happened with this one. But it was just, like, a rental. Mm-hmm. So it was just every once in a while where it would happen. And right. I enjoyed it. Yeah. So. It's a great movie. It's Terry Gilliam of Monty Python fame, of course. Also Gilliam was the artist for uh, Monty co-starring Python. Co-starring. Eric Idle. Eric Idle. Of Monty Python fame. Right, and uh, what's her name? Is it Sarah Pauly? Is that her name? The girl, the little girl? Well, Uma Thurman. No, Uma Thurman wasn't a little girl in this movie, but I think her name is Sarah Pauly, but I could be wrong Mm -hmm. on that. I'm just going to double check it. I saw a picture of Uma Thurman's mother the other day. Oh, really? Yeah. Very, like, striking bug eyes. Really? Uma Thurman has an interesting look, but in this movie, at 18, I think she was 18, 19 ish during this, she was. Oh, remarkably yeah. beautiful in this yeah. movie. Like I'm uh, worthy of a god's wife. Absolutely, absolutely well, stunning. In the Venus to Milo, <laughs> she was Venus. They did the Venus to Milo. Her the opening of the oyster. Her new. They showed a little nip, a little little of the right nip, stage right nip, and it was nice. And you know, the hair, flowing hair, covering the uh, the regions, the pubic region. It was wonderful. The pubis. The pubescus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But, yeah, so Gilliam, yeah. Yeah, so. it, obviously, like, everything Gilliam touches has, like, the birth of Venus somewhere in it, right. I feel like. I can't think of any other examples. What would be another Well, example? Monty Python, there's tons of right. the clam scenes. and Oh, right, right. And fan, the, he's the art, definitely yeah. a fan of the uh-huh. the fine arts. Where's like, Venus DeMille oh, in, uh, in 12 Monkeys, Jeff? I don't know. I'd have to rewatch it and try to find it. <laughs> I know, and it, there's an interesting story about Twelve Monkeys. Apparently, there's a thing with Terry Gilliam. They call, I think, they call it the the hamster in the wheel effect. It's based on something that happened during Twelve Monkeys. So that's you ever see, remember the scene where Bruce Willis is putting on his time traveling gear, which is basically like a body condom, and he's pulling it over his skin. There's also there's a hamster running on a wheel next to him. Apparently, it took hours to get the hamster to run on the wheel <laughs> while they were shooting it. Like, it would be running, and then it would it stop mid-shot. Yeah. So they kept, but he wouldn't keep going. They were like, doesn't matter. It's there. It doesn't have to be the whole time. And he's like, it has to be running through the duration of the shot. So he made everybody do it for, like, two hours until it got they got it right. And the people who worked with him on that film, they call it, like, the hamster in the wheel effect by Gilliam. He's very meticulous, in other words. Like a sort of a Kubrick-like meticulousness mm-hmm. and. 
taking scenes and doing extra or doing multiple takes and things like that. But hmm. yeah, that's crazy. How long is the scene? Seems like you could have just spliced it's that. Pretty in quick. There. It's a pretty quick scene. It's like a it's a few seconds. It's like they could have just yeah. re- pretty. They could you could just spice that in there. It was like early nineties, right? It would have been easy. Yeah. Well, it was, yeah, it was like mid nineties. No, you could have. Not if the person is doing an action and the thing has to be going the whole time. What they do like splice a little piece in there. What are you talking about? You just spliced. You you filmed the hamster and you filmed the guy, you filmed Bruce right, Willis putting his condom the two on and together. Then you put the two together. Speaking of which, apparently a lot of these animals in this movie had uh, died during production and had to reason? be replaced. Any particular really? reason? Was like, uh, well, there it doesn't really say right here, but there was a separate thing where all the horses got horse fever or something in Greece and couldn't horse, be trained. All the horses got horse sick and yeah. <laughs> fucking died. Interesting. And uh, they couldn't be moved on site to Spain from Greece or something right. like that? Because they were sick or because, yeah, they, because were they were dead? because they were sick. I gotcha. Were they sick or dead? Uh, let us pray. Lettuce leaf? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, so there's different horses. So it's a different horse throughout the movie? Yeah, yeah. Horse like all the color. trained horses. In the, an outbreak of horse fever in Spain meant that all the horses that had been in training for months in Rome were forbidden to travel to the film's Spanish location. Hmm. Okay. So that had nothing to do with the movie, really. Well, there were less horses than there should have been. Could have used more horse uh, I noticed sure. that. There was a lack of horse. Of course. Yeah. I suppose. Well, I, liked, well, I mean, okay, so there's Terry Gilliam's work with Monty Python, right? So he did the cartooning for Monty Python. And very, I mean, he is in certain clips. Like, he's definitely in, like, the Spanish Inquisition. Uh-huh. But he's always, like, a background character, kind of. Yep. But he definitely did, like, all the cartooning, which is a massive part of the aesthetic of Monty Python. This movie has that aesthetic, for sure. Like, mm-hmm. the, I mean, the sets are all, all look like... Cardboard. Cobbled, to get cardboard, <laughs> cobbled together uh, art from... All throughout time, like on the stage same place. Props. Yeah, they it all looks like that. And the great use of miniature in this movie—it's like sort of obvious, but it still looks beautiful. And like, uh, they went wicked over budget, so they had to use like some of the mm-hmm. some of the concept art that they had. Oh. Uh, one of the like for the moon scene, they had to use concept art instead of building it out of wood. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, it works for the concept mm-hmm. of this movie because this movie is very much about art versus reality. And yeah, and a lot of things turn out. The, the the line between reality and art gets blurred throughout the movie, which is a little bit what I was talking about before we started. Officially, was this movie has there's, there's like obviously they're using the character Baron von Munchausen, who is known for telling these elaborate, intensely fake seeming tales, like he's assumed to be a liar. But there's there's also the message throughout the movie that like, you know. Part of it, part of the lie becomes reality, and sometimes a lie is more important than the reality. And they're done with that. I don't, and well, the lie actually gets stuff done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. And there's like a childlike purity to the to the art to the lie, and then there's mm-hmm. like, and then there's death. I know, you know, and bureaucracy. I mean, Gilliam hates bureaucracy. That's one thing about Gilliam. He's a massive bureaucracy hater. Like Brazil, the whole movie is about just absurd bureaucracy like obviously there's a the plot of brazil is there's a clerical error in which tuttle gets switched or buttle gets switched to tuttle they kill the wrong guy they're trying to kill someone 
who's a criminal, and his crime, is Robert De Niro's character, is his crime is he repairs air conditioners without permits. And he just doesn't want to have to go through all the paperwork. So he just like is like a rogue uh, air conditioner repairman. That's Brazil. But this movie has that, too, for sure, because it has the character who's the same guy who played the main guy in Brazil, I don't remember the name of. He's also in Game of Thrones. He plays the leader of that like cult that comes in later, takes over the town, does it makes everybody the walk of oh, shame. yeah. Well, I mean, I can t- just find his name. Charles McKeown, I think. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah he's in this, but he plays the... Uh, oh yeah. Plays I don't know the, exactly what he is. He's, he's some elected official who's... Yeah, he's the elected official of the town. Right. And he's very against Baron von Munchausen. He's like, we gotta yeah. get rid of this fucking guy. He's, he doesn't oh, like... He doesn't yeah, like fancy, fanciful Im- imagination. He wants everything to be, you know... By the books. And it's also, he's he's in bed. But there's a war going on in the... He's in bed with the enemy? He's in bed with the enemy, right. and they're just protracting it for their own their mm-hmm. own needs and wants. Yeah. this I think this presents a vision of how, how Gilliam sees government in general. I mean, he went so far as he, he just moved out. Oh, wait, he moved to England from America because he hated America. But I don't know why I thought England was so much better, but apparently he did. But he's regretting that decision, renouncing his citizenship. Maybe. Did he really... Does, you have to renounce No, he's, I'm pretty sure he has dual citizenship. Right. No, he renounced his American oh, citizenship oh. in 98. All right. His American citizenship? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Well, he must have, yeah. All right. But I'm pretty sure you can have dual I citizenship. Mean, that doesn't mean it's like... Well, you'd you have, have to, to like publicly renounce it, or like, like, I do renounce you officially America. like America's send in a letter. Yeah, it's an official thing. Yeah, and they don't like like try to collect taxes from you. Ah, like yeah, that. that's right. Yeah, I like how the movie opened with Age of Reason and then Wednesday. Just gave gave you the day of the week. Right, I wasn't sure what to make of that. It just like it kept on like you know, but it's Wednesday. Quantifying. Yeah. The. Oh, setting. the whole movie took place in one day. Right. Right. Essentially. Wednesday, yes. Mm-hmm. People kept saying, but it's Wednesday. Things like that. Which remind me, of course, of The Shining because of the beautiful use of days of the week. Because, the, the, I mean, the amazing thing about The Shining doing that is it's, you know that Jack Torrance is going to go crazy, but when it, as soon as they show you the day of the week, you're like, oh, it's going to take, it's only going to take a week. You know? And it takes about a week. Did you guys see that? Oh, there was that TV remake, like, Oh yeah, oh, that's like accurate to the book, but of The Shining, shitty. But and there was no I yeah, it was. Seen. But then, so in the book, is there a maze? In the book, there's no maze. In the book, there's just the animal sculptures. There, there is. Yeah, oh, okay. they replaced that in the movie with the maze. Oh okay. Yeah, the movie's such a different idea. Just everything is different about it. Hmm. It's about. It's about cultural madness, I think. And the book is just about madness, mm. a little guy. Mm. And the movie's about how we like sweep things under the rug, and you know how we try to hide from things, and how we how we perpetuate um, authoritarian government through time. This this is like its own episode, though. Mm-hmm. But it's back mm-hmm. to Baron von Munchausen. Munchausen. Yeah. So art, I saw it as you know art. Is equal to like imagination and life, like the little girl bullies Munchausen's story. Nobody else does, but there's these weird connections, like the stage play in the beginning, which reminded me of the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. It's almost like they took just that image and stretched that out into a movie right. of like the traveling play. And I mean, it's almost like 
the more she believes in it, the more right. true it becomes, you know? Right. Uh, it's like a, like a religion or something. Yeah. Yeah, but the, what's weird about this movie is you would think, I mean, from Gilliam's perspective, he's not a religious guy. Nobody right. in Monty Python but is like particularly innocent, religious. like like, little girl's yeah. fantasy it's religion. Right. Becomes reality. Yeah. Just like any other religion. Yeah. I think from Gilliam's perspective, I don't think religion itself is the problem. I think he would probably say that when bureaucracy gets involved, that's the, that's when the problems start, usually. When it right. becomes this, like, official, traditional right. thing. When it's not, when it's no longer free. Like about Baron Vatican. Yeah. Baron von Munchausen is free. He says whatever the, whatever the fuck he wants, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, so there's obviously a lot of gothic architecture in this movie and just architecture from throughout time and just cool. I mean, I don't know, the effects are amazing in this movie. That's one thing that's, that's cool. beautiful. But they're not realistic at all. No, except for the costumes. The costumes seem very right. real for the okay. part. Okay, yeah. were good. Yeah. Uh, who played the Volcano God guy there? Oh, uh, let me see. So he was. So Uma Thurman was Venus and her husband Oliver was Reed? the big guy. Yeah, seemed to heal. The little, giants. Yeah, yeah right. the giants. And they were short, but, all shorter than everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they called the huge guy a midget, and that was uh, that was Bar or Baron von Munchausen's strong man. Mm-hmm. But it was yeah, that guy seemed to have a weird cuckold fetish going on, because <laughs> Venus runs off with yeah. Baron and he gets all angry. But then when he leaves, she's like, "Did you like that? Did you like how it's going?" Like, yeah. yeah, I dig that. And then he got all hot and heavy. And you know Baron von Munch, I mean this—it's obviously an old story, but it's—it's it's got elements of Don Juan, and I don't know which was first, but he's obviously he's going around banging everybody. That's his thing. When he goes to the moon, he's banging the moon woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was apparently a real character in history too. Who, he Baron was, von Munchausen? Yeah. Okay, I didn't and know that. He was a uh, a Russian nobleman that became like a pop celebrity in Germany after fighting the Turks. Okay, you're right. In the 1780s, right around mm-hmm. when, uh, who was this? Why did I not write it down? Oh. Uh, it was, he, uh, the book was The Marvelous Adventures of Baron Munchausen and a bunch of other words that didn't write it all down. Mm-hmm. But it was by Rudolf Rasp. Okay, that's a cool and name. this was a real, real guy who, uh, yeah. Well, it's his deal that he was full of beans. Was that the thing? Like, this yeah. guy just goes around telling tall tales? Well, he was also a very, uh, he was a nobleman and he was, uh, a war mm-hmm. hero. Right. Cool. And, uh, he actually wanted to sue Rasp at some point for, for the, having the fantastic stories. Oh, right. well that works as the beginning of the Adventures of Baron von Munchausen. In this movie, the real quote unquote, I guess, Baron von Munchausen walks into the play and is like, you're making a fool out of me. And he proceeds to do the exact same tell the exact same story in the exact same way and, that they were telling. And Rasp did yeah. cease and desist eventually. Oh, okay, good. What's interesting, though, is when, is when he gets to the play and he, he recognizes all the, the players as the people who they're playing. Yeah. And then as it goes on, we find them again and they are the same actors. But they're older. But they're older. And there's like this part where it's not clear what's happening or when he's telling a story or when there's actual stuff happening. I don't right. think it's supposed to be clear. I don't right. think that there is, it is one way or the other. Like at the end, it shows no, and he wait, pops up huh. and he... And, he's, and he was just telling the story. But, right. but after they get bombed by the Turks in the beginning, like, it just goes off with him and the girl. And then they go find their people, and 
then they go find his uh, entourage. Right. Mm-hmm. And they but come then, back. And then all of a sudden he's telling a story at the end. Like, right. Well, he like dies. Deliberately, and he dies, and then he comes back. And the, the Pope kills him. The yeah. rifle. Right. And then uh, he's dead, and they're sad. Mm-hmm. And then it was all a story. And then it was all a story. But yeah. at what point did the story start? And how yeah. did. Because then they go outside and the Turks are all destroyed. Right. And, the and I don't think right. that there is a point where you can say the story story. I don't think you can separate the two things. I think he's alive just because he can be, because he's Baron von Munchausen. Mm. Whatever is. It's only. It's a story if it's convenient to be a story. And if not, it's like. You know, like how when he tells. The more adventures he goes on, he gets younger. So there's this association with youth and imagination. Mm-hmm. And he gets older when he gets daunted and wants to gets all kind of suicidal. <laughs> He's so mopey. Yeah, mopey. He's just let me die. And the you know death is a <laughs> leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Death is a persistent figure, and it's a very cool death <coughs> animatronic deal, whatever that is, or puppet or what. I'm not sure how they did it. It's not incredibly elaborate looking. It's just a skull and some wings and cloth, but it does look cool. It's pretty cool. Fully Gilliamized. Yeah, very Gilliam. This is a weird Gilliam movie because it's post Brazil. It's most of his movies are a little more are a little edgier, but this did have its like sexual references. It did have a naked gigantic woman when he's telling the story about him and the Sultan. And it did have a wait what nipple like naked. when he's telling the story about the Sultan when he first gets there. It's the story about the wine. When they first get to the Sultan's palace, there's just a naked fat woman walking around. But you just see her from behind. And they're all sort of uh, mm-hmm. overweight, plump. Plump ladies. She wasn't naked. She was naked. There was one. There was one. Just one. Oh, all right. you saw was a butt. Just a butt. But this movie has like, one big really butt. fat, so it's just a like a badonkadonk. Crack and... I thought so, yeah. she was wearing, like, thin pants or no. something. No, maybe. I... They'd have to be. I was very, looking very pretty bad. close. <laughs> I saw a, a naked butt. But oh, okay. Maybe I could have zoomed in at one I quarter zoomed speed. In and I paused it and I checked. Frame by frame. Frame by frame. It took about three <laughs> minutes, and after that, I was pretty sure that. So it wasn't doctored. It wasn't doctored. This is not a deep fake. So, yeah, that's where it starts. It starts with a story with the Sultan. He tells that story, and then the bomb comes, and then it goes to the, it, it jumps forward to the new story where he's the with the little comes. girl. And the first thing they pretty much do is go to the moon. And that's a cool effect how they have Rob Williams' head, and he's, like, going crazy. Without his body, he's, he gets all the delusions of grandeur, and mm-hmm. he thinks he's the god of the universe now, not just the moon. His wife's there. His body is just horny beyond belief, and he's sick of it. It's like a dealing with its horniness. But once his body gets his head, it's, it's, he goes all dopey. And he, he gets all pink and human-looking, except the weird column thing made it very, very angry. Head. But his wife is pale the whole time, which I don't really get that. But, yeah. That was a good scene. Robin Williams is obviously just being Robin Williams. Doing yeah. his goofy goofy, brat, goofy rants. I think he wasn't the only guy who claimed to be the god of everything in this movie. I think also Venus's uh, husband there, whoever he was, also said, I am the... Well, she says, I am a... There's no way to treat a goddess. And he says, oh, well, yeah. I am the god. Who was that guy? I've Vulcan. seen him before. Yeah. Uh, Oliver Reed? I thought it was this guy. Hold on, let me click, click, click. Oh, no, Jack Purvis is the midget with the ears, who can hear very well. But when they get him when he's old, he can't hear well anymore, but he still has a big breath, which is weird that he ever had two powers, because that seems like typical of these kind of things. You have one power, you know? Well, they both yeah, involve, short. They both involve like, um, air. I guess so. Oh, well, yeah. That's, well, air is the medium That's, through which 
to sound some, travel. Yeah, that's what I was thinking the connection was. Okay, I can see that. But when they come back to him now, he has a hearing problem. When they get to the old version of yeah. whoever this cat is. He's obviously... Oh, okay. Another movie this is comparable to is Time Bandits, obviously. It has the same whimsy as Time Bandits. Although, structurally, Time Bandits is a little more typical. Like, the structure of this movie is weird. It's kind of like a Captain Beefheart. Sort of weird time signatures. and It just feels off. You know, it just doesn't feel like it plays out like first act, second act, third act. Right. Like, it doesn't work out like that. And at times, that feels a little unnerving and feels disjointed, but... Overall, it's, it's super it's, engaging, though. It that, is. I found that to be one of the. Yeah. You know, it I is was, engaging. I was never like, okay, it's going this way, or. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know. it was hard to, tr- to track for sure. But I wanted to. Mm-hmm. I like when it, right before oh. they went to the moon, that he just dumped the girl overboard. I'm like, oh, oh bye yeah. bye. I guess oh, she's yeah. gone. She's yeah. Nope. Toss her off the side. I did have a thought that. Baron von Munchausen was a little bit of a stand-in for Gilliam in this, as, as the storyteller, as the maker of worlds. I didn't really expand upon it, though, but I, I do see a connection there. I don't know about all that. Well, maybe. Well, maybe. Why not? Why not? I don't know. Why not make yourself the main... Why not base well, every character on yourself? Well, well, he seems to share some of Gilliam's, like, um, ideas about doesn't like bureaucracy likes or adventure science. he doesn't not quite sure how he doesn't much care for science he doesn't care for things being provable he's like you should just have fun all the time he doesn't <laughs> care he's always like everything's fine though whenever she asks him about what's going on back in back home he's like oh don't worry about it. everybody's fine which is interesting because it seems like he just wants to party but when do they find Eric Idle? They find Eric Idle on the moon. Is that right? Yeah. 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 So Desmond, or Berthold is his name. Yes. But Desmond is like the actor's name in the movie. But Berth, yeah, Berthold. So he finds Berthold in a birdcage, and he's chained up, and he doesn't remember who he is. That was kind of weird, I guess. Yeah, until he hit his head. Okay, so he hits his head. That's how he got his memory back. Yeah, okay. so you have to assume he lost his memory by hitting Either, his head? Yeah. Or climbing into a magical birdcage or something? Maybe. Right. Or maybe the Robin Williams there really is omnipotent. Uh-huh. And they just made him forget. Maybe. Maybe so. The bird does come into play, though. The bird comes and attacks them at some point. Although, the bird, I don't remember what the bird looks like. I remember it looked fucked it's up. It's a three-headed mechanical right. clockwork condor. So maybe, yes. so maybe we can assume he hasn't been in that cage for very long if the bird was just coming to eat it now. Mm. Maybe, but he's old. He said he'd been there for. He said he'd been there for twenty years. That's what yeah. Berthold told Baron von Mooch. I think the I think the little guy's name is Gustav. The little the, the midge midge. Gustav, Gustav. Yeah, Gustavus. 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 Yes. What was this? What was the world they go to where people wear those like dildo hats? That's exactly like South Park when the future. Remember the future in South Park with the otters? Like half of the people wear those like dildo looking hats. It definitely came from this movie. I just no, that, those were the Sultans. Oh, those were the, the, the Turks, the, I guess? Yeah. Okay. I guess we have to assume it's the Ottoman Turks right. in this movie. Mm-hmm. But they didn't really specify. They just said, oh, it's the Sultan's army. Yeah. And they did say the Turks. That, other than that. Okay. They didn't go I wasn't sure detail. if they did or not. Right. 
Okay, so after they go to the moon, where do they go? So they go to the moon. They go to the volcano. Yeah. They end mm-hmm. up in the volcano. That's okay. That's where they end up. Where they Venus, fall where right Venus into is, a volcano. Fall right into the volcano. And then there's the giants who aren't giants. Right. Which I don't know well, why they're giants. Uh, well, because uh, they were down in a pit when they came in. They were in like a crater. And they uh-huh. looked up and they're like, oh, these people are huge like the last people. Right. You know. Uh, so did they get bigger once they got out of the pit or... Did no just perspective. I, yeah, they were just—they had just fallen from the moon. Right. I guess it was. They had just fallen from the moon. Maybe it's like a. So they were looking up at these people like, "Holy shit, giants!" Yeah. Maybe it's like a kind of subtle sort of reference to like. Uh, so it's like they're on the moon, and it's like sort of like a different dimension, mm-hmm. and they rapidly fall right to like the bot like underground under the earth mm-hmm. so there's like this sort of like almost Alice in Wonderland like size change oh, okay. sort of thing but it's not mm-hmm. like, okay I yeah, can see it's that. like a subtle kind of thing yeah, yeah. right so when they're far yeah when they're falling there's this like weird green neon designs it's like the interdimension they're falling into gamma the rays. yeah it's just Get the gamma rays they're passing through. Yeah, pass through the gamma rays. Similar to that, uh, the meaning of life, where uh, that the digital lady gives birth. Mm-hmm. Sort of. Oh, similar. that was a, yeah, that excellent scene from the meaning of life, which must have been uh, animated by Terry Gilliam. With Makes the, sense. With the stars and the beautiful the universe song, mm-hmm. the earth and you mm-hmm. and me and all the stars that we can see. And apparently, like, a lot of the facts over the years changed, like, the measurements that are sang, sung in that song. Right. So, but, yeah. Eric Idle did have a tour at one point. I forget what it was called, but it was just him singing all of his songs and sang that one. And the, isn't it awfully nice to have a penis? Isn't it frightfully good to have a dong? <laughs> There's no time for flatulence and orgasms here. Oh, where is that? <laughs> That's what uh, Robin Williams says. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. When his head is detached. Yeah. That was an interesting head versus body deal. <clears throat> yeah. He was going through. So it was very extreme. But once the head was detached, it started getting all crazy and delusional. So it needed the body. You got to have the body. And, of course, to play a zany person, you get Robin Williams at this time period in the 90s. Because he's the happiest guy there is. 88. 88. Early, 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 90s, 90s, early, early 90s. 90s. Yeah. Lady 90s. Yeah, 88. Early 90s. That's the mid-late 90s. The mid-to-late 90s. 80s. Mid-late. Mid-late 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly when this happened. Yeah. In the mid-late that was recent, though. That was somewhat recent. But just before he did that, he was in a movie called World's Greatest Dad, directed by Bobcat Goldthwait. Did any of you guys see that? Mm-mm. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it wasn't just before that. It was pretty close to when he to when he committed suicide. Was it? Yeah, it was a couple. I mean, within like a year or two, yeah. I don't think so. Well, I think it was check a few it out. years. Yeah. I'll Google. Did he drive for Robin okay. Williams We're to suicide? Bobcat Goldthwait? Well, they're friends, I believe. Well, I mean, they're both comedians. World's Greatest Dad. Movie. Okay, so 2009, Robin Williams' death. That's when it was released. 2015 is when he died? 2014. 2014? Well, four years. When did he. Wait. Oh, yeah, 2014. Yeah. 
Wait, that's that says his. But what the fuck? Oh well, okay. I got confused. It's a conspiracy. His spouse from 2011, 2014. But yeah, that only because he died. So yeah, obviously. Um, but wait, what year was the movie? 2009. Hmm. But it's about a dad whose kid dies masturbating, like doing autoerotic asphyxiation. So the dad fakes it and makes right. he's so the kid hung himself. And then he writes the diary, for the depressive diary himself, because he wanted to be a writer. And he, the diary gets famous, and he starts yeah. adding more to it. And he takes the fame, and like is living it up after his son's death, basically. And his son is a complete asshole before he dies. He's a huge piece of shit. It's like the kid from Spy Kids, and he's such an asshole. And so when he dies, you're like, oh, thank God, we don't have to watch a movie with him in it anymore. It's like a relief. But yeah, that was more. In line with... Like, the good son level asshole? No, he wasn't, like, a criminal. He was just an asshole kid. Like, he was oh. just a bratty kid. He was just jerked off constantly. And did auto-rock association. But it did... Apparently, I mean, now people are starting to, to think about this. Like, throughout the years, all the teens who committed suicide, I mean, by hanging, a lot of people are starting to wonder, like, how much of that was the parents just adjusting the scenario for their kids who had died of autoerotic asphyxiation. <laughs> that might be a somewhat... Well, that's a, you're, you're, I mean, a great movie you, idea. You, that's the movie I'm talking I mean, you, about. You, you, <laughs> yeah. So you're... I'm just sitting here thinking about, like, I mean... Like, so how... Like, autoerotic asphyxiation, like... I don't know, like, how, what drives you to that? I, I, you know? think it's, and then, I think it's two things. I mean, like, obviously there's the pl- passing out as its own kind of interesting... Drug, you know. Plus, but you had orgasm blood, to that. There's more blood flow down there, too. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it's a better sensation. Well, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this right. is, these but, are. I mean, the. I don't. I was saying. I didn't know if the passing out thing. I guess that just seems dangerous. It's like oh, it's that's super obviously dangerous. dangerous. I think that's part of the appeal. Though, passing out, passing. Well, obviously, there's the sensation, though. Right. But it's like you know the danger. If right. You're you're like tightening something around your your neck. That yeah. it's like why? Well, I, I think that's part of the appeal for some people. I think it's but, the the danger. Mm-hmm. I, and then I think about people like David Carradine, who died from erotic asphyxiation while wearing a dress. I think he was. Getting, I didn't know that for a while. He was getting off on the idea. It's like yeah, I could die doing this. And after a while, he was like, but how do I up the stakes? It's like what I if I die doing this and somebody I'm wearing a dress? Else. No, I think I think he was thinking it adds, it adds more to it if he's wearing a dress because then he knows if he does die, then he gets found. Not only was he, is he have his dick in his hand, he's hanging. He's also wearing a dress, so that just spices Weird. it up a little bit. I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know he was wearing. I a think dress. it's a. It might be a rumor, you know, but it was a pretty widely spoken of rumor. Huh. So who knows? Maybe he didn't. But that's what I kids heard. and the guy from Excess did die from auto asphyxiation the band in excess hmm. right. it's not like you know, 80s band mildly popular yeah. their singer yeah take me on right take me on yeah that's uh-huh. it uh huh oh wait uh, you still no I'm, I'm thinking of a different song wait who did wait what what's the song by in excess take me on like yeah take no, me on no. pretty sure yeah it is no yep. excess no it might be uh-huh i don't know take me on and take, take on, on me. me take on me is is so uh-huh. take me on is something else but take me on is a different take, song take, think, take on me oh take maybe you're right me. fuck right what song is, is it me. i'm take thinking of a video that, that video that's kind of similar he says both though in the song take me on and take on me oh i was thinking of need you tonight 
I need you tonight. <laughs> that's in excess. Do, do, do. Wait, so that's do, in excess. Do, do, do. That's in excess, yeah. Okay. Wait, You're thinking so of that song is like, take That's aha? That's aha. Yes. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Or that's Mr. Mister. No. No. Wait, what's the song by Mr. Mister? What's Mr. Mister? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Mister. When I get pissed, you get missed. Uh, I don't know any of these songs. Broken Wings. Take these broken wings, maybe? I don't know. Aha, take on me. That's the song. There was the real big fish cover of Take On Me in Basketball. That was a movie. If we do slapstick, basketball. I I watched that within the last two years. What, basketball? Uh For real? Yeah. I, like, wonder if, like, I'll find that funny still. (laughs) Eh. Not so much? It wasn't that interesting. I mean, it's like... A South Park movie, but not written by the guys who... Well, maybe they, they were involved in writing it, but... The movies that Trey Parker and Snow make themselves are better. Like Orgasmo and... It's a movie, but it's like... Wait, is that a real sport? The basketball and the trampoline? Uh, there's similar uh, Yeah, they were doing it. that, yeah. Wait, they were doing that in ba- basketball? No, in real life. Yeah, in real life. Oh. It was fucking cool as fuck. Yeah, yeah, it was, it, was, it, was, it was from a movie. Was it from a... It was, like... Or there's a movie about it? Mm. Or maybe it's just a sport by itself. There's no movie. I'm sure there's a movie. Wait, what's it called? It now. I don't know. Jump it's... ball? I don't know. <laughs> Jump ball. I think they tried to do it like two or three times. And it's just like, you know, they just like made a show on Spike TV or something. Oh, okay. And it would be like, there would be like six of them. Yeah. Just be like, oh, cool. That seems super dangerous. Honestly, I think once you do it a few times, you basically know how much strength you need, and like yeah, right. You basically you you're jumping the same distance each time, so you're probably gonna be, you know, people people do quite wild fucking tricks all the time, uh, you know, I extreme mean, sports. You, you, you gotta do you're just jumping. You're just flipping off of a trampoline. That's probably not even. There is a rule like crazy. you can't. You can't Bump. jump. You you so you can't like jump into somebody. Oh, okay. You can't. That's that. what I was imagining. It's Can you like jump through oh, the hoop? somebody like gets if, knocked if in their leg, gets caught in the basket, and breaks it in like five different like spots. Like if you yeah. jump towards somebody yeah. who is jumping, like that's like foul. You can't do that. Oh. Well, yeah, it seems like it won't work out. You're just gonna have people jumping at each other all the time, and they're gonna fucking they're gonna, <laughs> they're gonna get brain damage at you pretty, well, pretty quickly. It's like, oh, wow, it's so cool. You can, like, jump and do a flip and dunk it. But, like, oh, yeah, that's really cool. I can jump and do a flip over him while he's flipping and take the ball. Wouldn't that be so much cooler? That's some zero-G shit. That's wild. That would be fun. Some, some sport Smack. in zero-G. That will happen in the future. Zero-G sports, mm-hmm. for sure. A lot of people will throw up. Or video games. You guys remember that, that football from um, Star- uh, Starship Troopers? Um, I remember they were playing a game in Starship Troopers. It was just, they were just flipping around, like jumping and doing flips and shit. It was pretty. Mm-hmm. I'd watch that if that's it was real. That's movie I'd like to cover at some point. Paul Verhoeven. Oh yeah, and you know about the um, the Starship Troopers like, uh, is like a socialist propaganda right. movie. Yeah. Well, you the, know, but wait, we we were talking wait. about that before. Yeah, or were we? Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we were probably. Yeah. 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 Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. But the book, yeah. the book's not really like that. No. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. yeah. Robert Heinlein is not. Yeah. That's not yeah. his prerogative. Yeah. No. 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 Heinlein. Heinlein's a great writer. Though. I love Heinlein. I love. Well. 
Joe Highlight of Justice is great. Robert like Heinlein. The sport highlight? I don't know what that is. Oh, wait, the one with the curved thing? Yeah. The, the hook? It's like a woven, oh. woven yeah. whipper. Okay. Yeah, that's I know cool. What you're talking about. It's like it's like wall ball, handball, right? Or something. Handball, racquetball, racquetball is a rich fucking sport. accelerator. Or, or like, like that a um, ball and addle addle for a ball. I've described it well enough. Hmm. Good job. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's briefly get back to uh, Baron Fun Munchausen, the Adventures yeah. of. That's fine. Um. It's like definitely Terry Gilliam is like one of his least respected and appreciated movies. I mean, it's I don't. I definitely don't think it's as good as Brazil. Like Brazil is probably my favorite Terry Gilliam movie, but this one I don't know. It didn't do it as well. I don't. Know, what do you guys think? I liked it. It certainly did have some sort of child, yeah, you know, yeah. some childish. Aspects to it, which I think would put off like some serious adult like film right. critique, you right, know. Yeah. But right. yeah, but yeah, it was yeah. fun. I th- it's, it's it was fun. I mean, I would, it was I would a family d- film. Yeah, yeah. it definitely could be. That's probably it's true. kind of pushing the boundary of family film, but it still is that for makes sure. Sense. Yeah, especially in the eighties. I wonder what it was rated. Actually. I mean, P- it was from America in the eighties. Yeah. I imagine. But I, mean, I don't know if they even had PG thirteen in nineteen eighty. Well, I don't know when the oh, ratings right. came out. I can't remember the MPAA. But there was like one eighth of a nipple. It was in. There was it one came out in the 80s. I don't know if that's... I know that. But there was no PG-13. If, if, right. if so. you're, you know, if you're a somewhat... A lot of a lot of the rating system is also who you are. You know, like really? who, like if Steven Spielberg has a, a quarter of a nipple in a movie, he'd probably get away with PG-13. But oh, okay. Not necessarily Terry Gilliam, who's had numerous problems with studios. Like, they actually, one of the studios stole Brazil from him, and, like, they took it and wouldn't let him cut it. So basically, he he took out an ad, and uh, I don't remember what it was. It was like Time, it was something like that, and there was just a blank page in the middle of it. It's it said like, it was just Terry Gilliam writing to I think it might have been Universal, like Universal, give me back my movie, and like there's just bad publicity for them, so they ended up giving it back to him so he could cut it his way, and he did, and now that's why Brazil is the way it is. But Brazil also has that. Uh, I think they changed the end. They wanted to change the ending. I don't know. There's one ending of Brazil where he's. It's like the ending of uh, 1984, and he's just like being prodded in his brain, and, and like it's all. He's just having some nice dream. That is the. That ending. is the ending. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if there was an alternate ending. Maybe there wasn't. I remember you. T- I think I actually remember you saying there was an alternate ending. I, I think. I think they were pushing for it. They were pushing for a different ending, but Terry Gilliam didn't want it. But he ended up getting what he wanted anyway. So I mean, that was that was. Terry Gilliam gets what he wants. Terry Gilliam is a man who gets what he wants. But there's some Terry interesting things Gilliam. about Gilliam. Like Gilliam also tried to make. Uh, uh, what do you oh, fuck Don Quixote, like Orson Welles. Orson Welles was uh, tapped by the government to make a documentary about some tribe. I don't know, maybe in the Congo or something. And based, and apparently he was told by them that he was cursed. And then his career did eventually did actually go to shit. And then he tries to make Don Quixote. People start to say that the film Don Quixote itself is cursed. Terry Gilliam tries to make Don Quixote, and he can't get it made either. So I was just looking up his filmography. His last movie was The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. Oh, really? Did he actually end up making it? I was going to ask he if you had ever seen I've never seen, seen it. it. The most recent movie I've seen by Gilliam is Tideland, which is about a little girl whose dad is a heroin addict, and they go to some house. Her, I don't know. I, I thought it's it was a, a decent yeah. movie, but I mean, it was <laughs> awful in terms of, in terms of, like, movies. in terms yeah. of being gross. It was pretty gross, because she, instead of her dad overdoses in a chair, and she, like, paints him up in, like, 
uh, sprays Febreze on him and keeps talking to him like he's alive. She befriends the mentally handicapped boy next door, and she lives in her own dreamland for the rest of the movie. It's weird. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's not a family movie, for sure. Because mm-hmm. in the beginning of the movie, both her parents are heroin addicts. Her mother dies of an overdose first. That's why they flee the house. But her dad is always reading her, like, these folkloric tales and stuff while he's really high, and she internalizes it because of the trauma. And, yeah, that's the movie. What's weird is they did the whole movie doesn't point the finger at like this is a girl who's traumatized. It just plays through, so that's why it's a little disturbing. To, I, I would imagine, and just generally, it's a grimy feel. It's a grimy movie. It's dirty, and there's a lot of it's dirty stuff. It's a dirty movie, and other than that, I can't really think of any recent Terry Gilliam movies that I've seen. But well, yeah, uh, I don't know. Brothers Grimm, which wasn't very good. But he didn't do Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, which was awesome. But the Don Quixote, back to the Don Quixote thing, like, it's not uncommon that a filmmaker can't get a movie made. That happens all the time. Like, Stanley Kubrick couldn't get Napoleon made. Like, it's just weird that they, people isolate that movie and say, oh, it's cursed. When filmmakers have trouble getting movies made all the time. Like, another movie Gilliam tried to make in the 80s was Watchmen. Mm-hmm. He never got that made. Oh, really? It would have been much better than the version that came out, I think, because it would have had some style and flair. Like, the version that came out was just, like, they tried to get what was in the comic book on the screen, which didn't work because it's not meant to be on the screen. If you want it to be meant to be on the screen, you got to rewrite the fucking thing, which Gillian would have done. But anyhow, sir, I think we're good for Ventures on Paramount Munchausen. Unless anybody else has any closing statements. Let me look through it. See, I mean, obviously, there's the architecture is beautiful in it. Like, it's very ornate and intricate and just... It almost seems like it would have taken years to get these sets made, but better probably just thrown together at the same time. Beautiful camera movement. The camera movement is amazing. It reminded me of something else. So hopefully, I wrote it down because I want to... Oh, the cotton clouds were cool. Yeah. Oh, I, met, I, I, like saw, that. I noticed that. I mean, the emphasis on magical thinking was something I noticed... Just throughout the movie. But also, it looks like Lawrence of Arabia. The way the camera movement, the cinematography. That's a great movie. It's an amazing movie, but it, it was so similar. Like, in scenes of dialogue in Lawrence of Arabia, the way they move the camera, like, it's just so perfect and beautiful. And they do it very... Gilliam moves his camera very... I mean, he isn't the cinematographer, so whoever the fuck the cinematographer is moves the camera beautifully. And it's a lot like David Lean, who made Lawrence of Arabia. That must be one of Gilliam's. Gilliam must have a hard on for the classics, you know. Like oh, all of absolutely. His, you know, yeah. even though he's manifested it in some crazy, weird. Right. Yeah. You know, his art style and his directing is very strange. Yeah. The only other thing I would want to wrap up is like how at the end, I just want to go over this one more time. So it flashes back and he's telling the story after he dies. Mm-hmm. Like I just feel like there's there's no real. It doesn't prep you for that. That kind of comes out of nowhere and mm-hmm. it doesn't really fit. Yeah. And it's like it's not it's supposed like, to fit. Weird. It's like it's not supposed to fit. Happy ending. Yeah. It's like he died, but he didn't die. Mm-hmm. And he tells stories. And he says he's died multiple times earlier in the movie. So then you kind of go back like, oh, apparently he's like, he, he doesn't die. Or he claims he doesn't die. Or it doesn't matter either way. Or it's all just fantasy anyway. So whatever. He does at the very end ride out into the sunset and disappear. So he's almost right. sort of like, almost like a god figure. He's like a god. But he's not the god. No. No. 
He's just a god. For all you monotheists out there. Yeah, well, I thought that was interesting. Like, like that there were just gods who thought they were the god in this movie. Like, mm-hmm. it's like that's like every religion. Like every religion's every monotheistic religion seems like there's a god. And what if they always assume they're the only god, but there are all other gods, which is like the magical way to look at it, you know, mystical way to look at it. Like there's these gods, but they're delusional gods. They think they're the only gods. So vain. They're so vain. They probably think that the Bible is about them. (laughs) (laughs) Probably think the Bible's about you, don't you, fuck you. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Maybe. Okay, well, we'll move on from Excellent. We'll move on from there. So I'm very, 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 very excited to talk about this next movie, which is my pick, which is Nightbreed from 1990 by Clive Barker, written by Clive Barker, directed by Clive Barker, based on Clive Barker's novella Cabal. That shit is baller. Dude, this movie. Who? Who who is who? Clyde Barker? Are you asking me who Clyde Barker is? No, I'm just saying who who wrote it. Why? Who wrote it? Who wrote what? The movie. Clyde Barker, yo. Who directed it? Clyde Barker, yo. It's based on a story by who? Clyde Barker, yo. That's who does it star? Here's the deal. Clyde Barker is an artist. He's a painter. Clyde Barker is a novelist. He's in writes novels. Clyde Barker is a filmmaker. Clive Barker he makes films. Smokes cigars. Clive Barker had throat cancer. He now has a very cool voice. It sounds like it's awesome. He made Hellraiser. Come on, man. Wait, who did Westworld? Michael Crichton. Okay. Am I saying Crichton right? Does anyone Crichton. else say Crichton? Crichton. It's Crichton. spelled Christian, but I say Crichton. Well, it's spelled Crichton. Crichton. That might be right too. No, it's Crichton. No, no it's, Crichton. it's definitely Crichton. Okay, Crichton just sounds cooler. I am Michael Crichton. Wait, you were saying you were saying it a different way at one point. Well, I was switching. I was going back and forth between Crichton and Christian because I wasn't sure. Christian. Mainly, I was saying Crichton. Occasionally, I said Crichton. Crichton or Crichton. You were saying Crichton. Yeah. Crichton. Crichton. Crichton is how I normally yeah, pronounce yeah, yeah. it. Okay. But I didn't know if it was correct. It's just my favorite way to say it. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, Nightbreed. Night. Nightbreed is a crazy movie. First of all, there's a lot of fucking versions of Nightbreed. Okay. There's a lot of problems getting this movie made. So it was after Hellraiser, which was awesome, but very, like, kind of, I mean, kind of elaborate when you think about, like, the creature effects and all the, you know, Cenobites, which sound delicious, but are actually these evil creatures from another dimension that come in pain and pleasure you to death. So, like, you know, Hel- okay, let's talk about Hellraiser a little bit. Hellraiser is, like, I was just thinking about you that. the box, right? Nice. You do the puzzle. It's for people who have, who've, like, exhausted all the possible pleasures of life, and they get to a point where they're totally jaded, like the main character or the father's brother in the Hellraiser, and they want something else. So they get this the Hellraiser that come and torture them for eternity, and they can't die, so they're continually tortured for all eternity by the Cenobites. But then the one guy escapes, and his the the guy's slutty wife, and is having wants to have sex with the monster man who escaped the Cenobites, but they come back for him because he's because they're Cenobites. You can't escape the Cenobites. You don't do that. Hellraiser is awesome. Clyde Barker wrote Hellraiser. There might have been a book for Hellraiser. I don't know, but there were definitely comic books that I used to read a lot of when I was a young man, by Cl- written and drawn by Clyde Barker. But Clyde Barker is legitimate. There's a lot of people who do everything, but Clyde Barker is Clyde Barker is legitimately good at everything. He's a good writer. He's a good painter. He's good at making movies. Although I, don't know, I have some mixed. I love this movie, but I have mixed feelings about its quality. Yeah. But there's a lot of. There's a lot of 
fuckery that happened with this movie. So it isn't exactly like he wanted it anyway. Like the version we all, I assume we all watched, was the director's cut, which is like two, roughly two hours. But it's still pretty close to the theatrical cut. Then there's the um, the first Cabal cut, which was only released in like film festivals, which was like, and it was like three hours. It included not only deleted scenes, scenes that were t- he, like key st- pivotal scenes in the movie that were made to be deleted by the production company, who is well, I don't really remember the name of the production company. You could probably find it in a couple seconds, but uh, released by that's eh, too much reading. I don't want to do that. Well, okay. Tagline, genre, details. Company Morgan Creek. Oh, yeah, Morgan Creek. Morgan Creek is the company. They made him believe all these things. But he put those back in for the Cabal Cut. He also took stuff that they just had for dailies. Like when you shoot a film, especially when they were shooting it on film, it was necessary to have dailies. So they take the film and then they play through it at the end. And they send the dailies off. They play through it and check it and see what they wanted to keep, what they wanted to get rid of. So, he, so some of the dailies that were, like, shrugged off by Morgan Creek, they were like, oh, you're not using that. You're not. He got the dailies back, and he added some of it back in. I know they added a higher definition. And then there was another cut that followed him doing that that was some more of that stuff, but it was also called the director's cut, but it was, like, a new director's cut. Then more recently, in, like, 2015, he got to do his final Cabal cut, which, I mean, Cabal is the name of the novel. It's the name of the main characters like monster name Mm -hmm. but the cabal cut is three hours long it apparently has a lot more it's a lot more on the fantasy element because like they didn't know how to deal with this movie he wanted to make his idea was to make what did he say he said it was uh fuck i can't remember but i don't know he wanted to make a fantasy horror universe out of this right i'm just trying to remember his exact pantheon yeah yeah absolutely absolutely but yeah, yeah. There was there was another movie. He was oh, he wanted to make a Star Wars, but for horror. Mm. Like how Star Wars is to sci-fi, this is to, would be in his mind to horror. Like how Star Wars sci-fi kind of before Star Wars is a lot more like there was a lot more hard sci-fi, but there was still like the like goofy sci-fi, like you know Fantastic Voyage shit like that. But he kind of Star Wars kind of combined that into something cohesive or something good. Something watchable. Like a fantasy epic sci-fi. Yeah, fantasy epic sci-fi. He wanted to make a fantasy epic horror. Problem is, Morgan Creek did not know how to deal with that. They thought, like, a horror movie is a horror movie, and they're not, like, a massive film production company. They're like, we make, you know, safe movies, generally, and we want to make a safe movie. You made Hellraiser, make another Hellraiser. But he wanted to make this fantasy epic horror movie where the monsters are actually the good guys, or... It's kind of a little bit of a gray area, but they're clearly the protagonist, and the antagonist is, of course, the Dr. Decker character and anyone who's against the monsters throughout history. Seems such a ridiculous... Seems like such a ridiculous character. Who, Dr. Decker? Decker, yeah. Yeah. Well, played by, da- played by David Cronenberg, of course, which is weird entirely, because David Cronenberg is obviously the filmmaker responsible for, I mean, Scanners, uh, Videodrome, uh, The Brood, you got... Rabid, you got. I don't remember the name of the first one. The fly was it, it's about a virus that people. It's sexually transmitted virus that makes people kill each other. I don't remember the name of it, but it's a good movie, and it takes place in an apartment building. It's a lot like High Rise in that way, but yeah. So anyway, so Cronenberg acting is a weird thing to me to see because I've never seen him act in. I don't remember even seeing him in his own movies. 
Which that just made me think, you know, it's Ben Wheatley did a good version of High Rise, but I think Cronenberg might have done it. If he would have made that ad- adaptation, it probably would have been better. It's such a Cronenberg-like concept, but yeah, Cronenberg's great, but he plays Dr. Decker, who's a really weird and quirky and silly kind of character. But that's the thing. Morgan Creek, they saw what he was doing, and they kind of angled it with editing to be a, more of a slasher movie. And, of course, the slasher part of the movie is kind of... Secondary. Yeah. It's, it is secondary. Like, what Dr. Decker is getting up to with his weird mask with the buttonhole eyes. It's kind of doll-like. It's unsettling. But it's secondary. Dr. Decker is the antagonist. It's a cool like, mask. It is a cool mask. I mean, it's very, like, modern, like, slasher. Like, it seems to even have inspired, like, what slasher movie masks end up looking like today. But it's such a secondary part of the movie. Like, the main part of the movie is these monsters who are... And it's about their oppression. And I know when Clyde Barker was making this movie, his idea was, like, you know, a lot of times when we think about these... Like, there's he says there's some corner of the human psyche where we, like... We are jealous of monsters. Like, we wish we could live forever. We wish we could, like, become smoke and have magical powers. But instead, we get angry at things like that because we're jealous of it. And we can't do that. So, that's kind of... And they do say that in this movie. Like, the smoke woman, she says that to somebody at some point. She's like, you're jealous because you want to be like us. So, that's why they, you always kill us throughout history. Which is weird because I see the tribes of the moon. I don't even know if they really even are from the moon, but they call themselves the tribes of the moon. Mm-hmm. Well, how the fuck did they even get to Earth? And, I mean, they are they do have special powers and everything, so it's yeah, not, they might just call themselves tribes of the moon. Right, they might just call maybe themselves the, that. Uh, I mean, maybe they the don't go out there in the day. Right. Maybe the guy right. like destroyed their last city on the moon. Yeah. For no apparent reason. But well, I was thinking, well, why don't you just go back to the moon? Seems safe if that's where you're from. But then again. Maybe they're not from the moon, but anyway. They wouldn't have that tasty, tasty flesh. Oh, yeah. they A lot of them crave human I mean, flesh. I mean, it's just a cool name. It is cool. They're like, this is a cool name. Tribes of the moon. I they're called the night. They're called Nightbreed. There's different names they have for their tribe, but, yeah, the tribe of the moon, tribes of the moon. And they're all, like, of different tribes. Well, the only thing really holding them together is they're all monsters. They're all magic. And they all look crazy. They're freaks. They're freaks. And, I mean, they do need human flesh, some of them. They can't go out during the day. Some of them die when their sunlight touches them. Or they reverse in age. Or they reverse in age, yeah. And then you have the... Wait, what? Wait, yeah, who reversed in age? Uh, the little girl. She she became, like, a weird creature she thing a weird she creature. went out in the sun, yeah. And that's when... Uh, I thought she would just sort of... I thought she could glory. just do that. Maybe, but she was like that when she was out in the sun, and then when Lori brought her back into that little tomb, that's the entrance to uh, Midian, uh-huh. or the underground part of Midian, she turns back into a little girl. Well, yeah, she's not being burnt by the sun at that point. Yeah. Right, right. Maybe she can just turn back at that point. Maybe. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I thought that was, like, her thing of hers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was her thing. Did she... Yeah. yeah. She yeah. can also yeah. show people memories of things. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. right, yeah. She showed them the whole, all the, the history of the tribes of the moon getting oppressed and holocausted mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Naughty. That was fucked up. But, yeah, so this, this, uh, this movie is just like, it's also a cheese fest. It's as so well as, 90s, it's out of it's control. It's beyond 90s. It's like, hard. It's hard. Hard 90s. Hard. Yeah. And, like, there's just so many... I mean, it's such a cool concept, and, like... I mean, there's a lot of it I thoroughly enjoy, but... There's also parts of it that are just so intensely 90s, it's, like, outrageous. Like, even just the main character, uh, Boone, Aaron Boone, 
just that guy, that type of hot dude with the fluffy hair and like oh, big and head, like the and butt chin, the and butt chin. And his lips are perfectly parallel to the ground at all times. Yeah. you know, he's such a '90s character. His like moderately attractive girlfriend, Lori. Like not only Lori's not attractive, she's just like not what you would expect to be the lead hot chick role. Mm-hmm. There's just something. Uh, she's like a real person almost. Mm-hmm. She looks like a normal human being. But yeah, her character is kind of ridiculous, and the acting of that character is not great, <laughs> I would say. Especially that like song, that song that's like, was it Johnny get angry, Johnny get mad? <laughs> it's so badly written. Yeah, right. I, I can't possibly be a real song. I remember thinking like, you should have hired Gilliam for that. Not yeah, good. or just taken us, just gotten the rights to some '50s song she could have sang that would have been like almost <laughs> yeah. exactly the same. But maybe Clyde lyrics. Parker wanted a cheesy uh, bad song. I, I don't think he knew. But what's weird about this movie is... <laughs> it's like, you need this for this movie, so I right? I a song. Just fucking... Just sing anything that comes into your head. She's like, Johnny, get angry, Johnny, get mine. Give me the biggest lecture I've ever had is a lyric in that song. I think, you secretly, liked the, I think you secretly liked this song. I... You, you, I, you're I, singing it well. Well, I mean... It, it is remarkable. It's the song that gets caught in your head because of how horrible it is, for sure. I, I totally forgot about it until you stuck it back in how is it? How do? How can you forget? I never thought about it's, it again. It's I like just a, like, yeah. It's, I was it's like, okay. like a fucking... I was like, this is awful. I can't Gangrenous even really re- recall it now. No, it's, it's, it's pretty bad. I remember it now, but yeah. that's only because you made me remember well, it. Well, it definitely sticks in my head and bothers <laughs> me. It is... An irritatingly bad song. You know what's been stuck in my head is that song you were singing, that ha ha yeah. Why are you my lover? Why are you my lover? All those 90s songs are like that. Wait, wait. No, it's not Cher. Ace of Base songs are like this. Oh, wait, what is that like? Wait, say, say, wait, wait. Hey, 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 Wanna be my lover? Hey, hey, hey. It's like a roller skate, is skate, yeah, skating skate. ring song. Oh, yeah. And, Oh yeah! Really, was all the Ace of Base songs are like that? They're infectious and terrible, and like wait, what's the Ace? <laughs> I saw the sign. Opened up my eyes, I saw the sign. Oh, that she wants is that her baby? Oh, that's the only ones I remember. There's definitely a, cash uh, moves everything around. That's Ace of Base. There's a yeah, yeah. That was definitely Ace of Base. That was there. No, but there's a mashup of oh, there is of the uh, cream and uh, that. Song. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Pretty cool <laughs> juxtaposition. <laughs> Sick of the, the fucking mashup, of fucking Shakira and fucking Danzig, 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 Danzig. <laughs> Dorito, <laughs> Dorito. <laughs> oh, how do you say Danzig? Come on. Yeah. What up with mashups? Always, there's always fucking. It's, not good. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's what you do when you're not creative. You just take two things somebody else did and push them together. And mash them up. Mash them up. Yeah, so I think Danger Mouse did. It was like the it was the uh, Jay Z's Black album and Beatles White album. It was the Gray album. Like that's. No, I'm sorry. Like I know people like that, but it's stupid. Danger Mouse did that. Was that Danger Mouse? Was, could have been literally anybody. Any one of those guys. Let's see. Which the is, Gray album. Mash up a couple black albums. Here you Metallica's black album with. Got Weezer black album now. With Weezer black album and just call it the black album. Or. I say, as you put black and black, you get black. You get more black. So. Deep black. 
Wait, is it? Oh, yeah, Phantom it's Black. Danger Mouse did the Grey album. Yeah. Fate what? Phantom Black. Phantom Black. Phantom Black. Yeah, it doesn't Vanta let Black. any light escape it. It's like the rudest black in the world. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's it is the blackest of blacks that you can possibly get. Black. It looks really black. weird. Times infinity. Kind of weird. Yeah. Is it unsettling? Like when you see it, you just yes. question yeah, your existence. A bit. Like, well, yeah, you can't. Depending you on lose, what it is, you, you you lose like depth depth perception when yeah. you. Look. I've never seen it in person, but we should get some paint. Yeah, it's really expensive. We'll it's paint. really expensive. <laughs> <laughs> you know, can't help but think of Cradle of Filth. Obviously, yeah, Cradle of Filth's album Midian is very much based off of this movie or the book Cabal, possibly. That's all there is to it. Wow, that'd be really. Oh man. There is there is more to it. What, what? You just gotta listen to the Cradle of Filth and watch the movie, and that's like the lore as of now. Right. Well, speaking of the music of this movie, Danny Elfman did the music of this movie. Danny Elman? Danny Elfman. Elman? The popular Danny Elfman of Oingo Boingo, and, I mean, I mean, he's huge. He does all of Tim Burton's movies. Mm-hmm. During the time of this movie, he had just done the... Batman, the music for Batman, the original Tim Burton Batman with Michael Keaton. Right. So he's doing this. And a lot of people thought that his music was the only good part of this movie. It's cool. It's got, like, African drums in there. It's got weird symphonic... I don't know. It's just weird, man. It sounds like carnival music, essentially. And it doesn't... It's not really menacing in the way you would expect in a horror movie completely different thing it's more it's like fun it's menacing. orchestral it's like orchestral too. it's like fun menacing mm-hmm. right He's so music for- yeah no i did like the music yeah the music you could definitely cool. tell it's very danny elfman like yeah. Yeah. As soon as I heard it, I was like, I know this music. And I said Danny Elfman. I was like, okay. Yep. Yeah. Danny Elfman. Obviously. Beetlejuice. Fucking Nightmare Before Christmas. I wish Danny we know Danny Elfman. Oh. For, I wrote, Fifty Shades. I was very oh, okay. confused because I wrote down Forbidden what? Planet, but I was thinking of Forbidden Zone, which is one of the no, earliest things. I was things. just thinking about Forbidden Planet earlier. I was like, right, right, I was going to say did. something okay. like 10 Let's, minutes ago. Like, remember I, I, when we all watched Forbidden Planet and loved it? Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. That was awesome. That's probably why I switched the names of the movie Danny Elfman was in. But Danny Elfman was in a movie when he was like a teen called Forbidden Zone, which is like this off, off, awesome, can't be B-horror movie, be sci- sci-fi movie. It's like takes place in like underground. Danny Elfman plays the devil and sings like uh, Minnie the Moocher in part of it. Fuck. And there's just a woman in it who just walks around topless the whole time. And it's, there's the woman from Crybaby is in it, which brings me to another point. This movie, Nightbreed, like the, the blonde girl. No, not her. The uh, the the grandmother. The haggy. Lady? The haggy grandmother. But grandmother? there's the haggy blonde woman who's supposed to be a teenager. Okay. Not her. Not Hatchet not Face. Right. But the grandmother. Crybaby's like guardian, who's Iggy Pop's wife. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, she's in it. It's one of her. It's her big thing. Forbidden Zone is a is a big deal in the campy cult B-movie thing, but it just reminds me of the fact that Nightbreed gives a vibe off, like, a kind of almost Lynchian, but definitely John Waters-like vibe. The silliness, I can't tell, I, it's probably not intentional silliness, but it's so thick, it almost feels intentional. 
Like the whole beginning part of this movie is yeah. very, very the begin- so nineties, and just it's the just way they're so talking, excess, bad, baby, like so bad, excess bad kissing. Oh, the bad kissing, kissing was disgusting. Bad kissing. The kissing grossed me out. I don't know what it was. I've never been so grossed out by like just a normal people kissing, and like the sound was weird. It was like, and of course the the poor psychiatrist or the 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 shitty psychiatry is oh, like yeah. you know the main antagonist oh the, yeah this the therapist dr decker yeah that was a whole weird relationship like well alejandro jodorowsky said something interesting about this movie he said it was like the the uh the first true ho- uh gay horror movie because jodorowsky's point was is the movie is is actually about the unconsummated love between patient and therapist like there's supposed oh sexual God. tension between <laughs> Dr. Decker and Boone. Oh, I actually wrote that down. I was like, is he bi talking yeah, the, to Dr. Decker? Wow, I they actually did had a note of that. There was some like apparently Alejandro Jodorowsky just thought this that's what this movie is about, like really. Hmm. Which it's there for sure. There's that. And that would drive a lonely old man crazy if always yeah. being around. So so he's you know, a killer, but he's like in, it's weird plot wise because he's the Dr. Decker is a killer. He's inspired by these dreams that Boone has, and but Boone also dreams the killings that Dr. Decker does, and Dr. Decker's trying to frame him for the murders he's committing, but he also has this secret desire to kill all the monsters off. Like, that could be nothing but allegory. Like, because why would he want to kill monsters? He's just a fucking crazy serial killer. Other, other than they're, like, being, like, there's this obvious allegory for, like, I don't know, just general general genocide like and Dr. Decker is this character who's well, maybe, very good at manipulating people do you think that's what the allegory is for genocide or is the allegory he's a psychiatrist and he wants to kill the monsters okay and the there's, monsters there's are there's that too you know so some yeah. psychic thing mm-hmm. go on yes elaborate elaborate I don't know I, I, just, I just thought about it. I didn't really even think that deeply about this movie until you mentioned that right but well, I, was just, I, mean, I was just throwing out that there's out a, I mean there's obviously there's the and he's a gay thing so huh he's a, because it's a gay thing obviously there's that there's gay the, thing there's the uh, killing of an entire race of well races and then there's yeah there's he wants to kill the monsters. And they live underground, subconscious. Mm-hmm. But he's also a psychopath. So he's a psychopath psychiatrist. So is he like a? So he wants to instead of like pacifying them, he's just wants to kill all them violently. Mm-hmm. Just to bring them out into the light and kill them. Yeah. Interesting. So maybe. Is he like a Freudian character or something? Well, let's, maybe. let's like take Freud this. Was a little so like the that. monsters could be like the id. And the psychiatrist is a superego, mm. and then Cabal is the ego. Oh. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Because the ego is like the organizing principle. It's the, you know, and then the superego is the overcritical yeah. self-watching itself. Yeah. Yeah. And then the it is just like what's beneath the surface that we try to hide. Yeah. It has to hide underground, and we're constantly trying to control it. And mm-hmm. Okay. There's that, too. Yeah. Underneath the surface, there there might be uh, mutant squeaks from a French bulldog. Some guy, right. some he, normal he, man. The normal man. Yeah, that character is weird because he does not. I don't. He. I think he had some kind of power or something. I don't remember what it was though. But the normal guy was just a normal guy with a French bulldog. Right with nip tattoos. Everyone else was a monster. Well, his power was that he didn't talk a lot. 
Uh, this, Luckily. That's very powerful if you do it just right. right. If, if you withhold information in just the right way. And he also explodes when he comes into contact with sunlight. Okay, so yeah, his power cool is too. he explodes. His power is he dies, mm-hmm. basically. <laughs> he's not a particularly power useful Moon Knight. Yeah, there's some of the some of the characters that are just basically just uh, mutants. They yeah. said everything in Midian was supposed to be extinct or like, you know, uh, like discriminated against, and there was like a fucking parrot down there. I wonder about like, that. And who I was thinking, hates parrots? maybe parrots are the ones that slip through. Like we just yeah. don't know parrots are like a secret magical race. They can talk, right? <laughs> That's kind of weird. Hey, yeah, they can talk. They can talk. Can I, that's their wait. They can repeat. Yeah, sure. But they can talk. They can talk. They they can is there any other animal that can do that? Uh, uh, it's mostly birds. I think other birds, like uh, parakeets, <laughs> I think, can say a word or two, maybe. I know there's, there's, there's this weird... birds that can... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they, can, they mimic shit. Well, yeah. I, is there bird... Okay. Like that mimic human speech? Yeah. 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 Okay. There's this one like bird... Like, exactly. <laughs> okay. There's this one bird that's really fucking weird that, like, it mimics, like... Like it's like in somewhere in the rainforest, South uh, Mer- South America, and because like of um, whatever uh, urbanization or whatever, like oh, yeah. they're chopping. So it's like it'll be in the rainforest, but it can hear like car alarms and shit. So it's in the forest, and it's just it's like a fucking car alarm. Right. Yeah. It's from it's a, a bird. It's a liar bird. Oh, okay. Yeah, those are man. Yeah, I always like stuff like that with the with the the. Industry influencing the natural world. Like I like when birds are like making like nest out of coke products. That's fun. I think it was like a Max Ernst painting of that. It's fun. Oh, it was yeah. like a what? Max Ernst, like the Dada Dadaist Max. Oh Ernst. yeah. He did paintings like that where he would have like nature and industry interacting. What are those? The Thatcher birds, the Hobbit, the little Hobbit making ones. They make hobbits. Yeah, they make like little. Little mounds of weird oh, objects holes. and shit. They make hobbit holes. Holes. Hobbit We're calling them hobbits. <laughs> they make hobbits. hovels. Hovels. Not hovels. Hobbits. Hobbits. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Hovel weaver. Either no. hovel weaver. No, no. I don't know why Doctor Decker just reminded me of the end of Troll Two. The awful, oh, yeah. awful troll sequel. Just because he eats a double decker bologna sandwich <clears throat> at the end, that's how he kills the trolls or the goblins, whatever they are. Mm-hmm. He says, double-decker bologna sandwich, and he eats it, and they all die. <laughs> I don't know. Because D-decker, double-decker, I don't know. Oh, Philip K-decker. Oh, doctor is D. Okay, so there's that. Philip K-decker? <laughs> Philip K-decker. What's that from? Uh, well, Philip K-decker. Philip K-decker. Yeah. It's yeah. actually... Okay. I mean, that's, that's not his name. Who? It's P-decker. The, the, the doctor. Oh, his name is Philip K-decker, yeah. In the movie? Philip K-decker. This guy? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's interesting, too. P. Philip Decker. K. Dick, Philip K. Decker. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but there's, like, there's no, like, real relationship there. I don't see any way he's like Philip K. Dick. Uh, but other than the name. But that's interesting, for sure. Yeah. No. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of Philip Maybe K. David Cronenberg was like, interviews. listen, I'm, I'll, I'll star in this movie, but my name needs to be Philip K. Decker. Yeah. <laughs> Philip K. Dicker. And he was like, what about Dicker? Philip K. Dicker. Okay. Philip K. Dick. Uh, how about Philip K. Dick? Dicker. 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 Meet in the middle. 
Meet you in the middle. Meet you in the middle. Fucking yeah, in, in the middle. That first kill scene with the family and Dr. Decker was mm-hmm. pretty fucking brutal. Yeah, that was actually great, I thought. Yeah. I'm walking up to the kid at the end, you're like, oh, he's going to kill that kid. That sucks. And the fat family he kills, like that awful, like, like suburban family. They're having too much fun. They're just having too much fun watching They're like, TV. Oh, we invested in dot coms. You know? Aren't they, like, making out or something? Yeah, yeah, the like, weird, no, no, like. No, it's like from Jurassic Right, it was Park. like such an no, also no, no, no. a 90s trope. Oh, yeah. It was like Roseanne. It was like the set of Roseanne <laughs> getting murdered. <laughs> Wait, when did this movie come out? 1990. I think 19, 1990, yeah. Yeah, okay. So that button mask, all, I mean, the, cam- the camera movement was interesting in that scene. It was really ambiguous. Like, it couldn't tell. Why. It, it, it transitioned well from perspective to just omniscient. Like, it was weird. You couldn't tell when the camera was being omniscient or when the camera was being point of view. It would switch between back and forth rather seamlessly, and it was unsettling. That's a good thing. To, that's a good thing you need to be able to do if you're making a horror movie. Is figure out how to manipulate who we think's perspective we're seeing. Like, because sometimes the camera's omniscient, sometimes it's a character you don't know which. Sometimes you don't know which it is. Sometimes it's trying to trick you into one when it's the other. And this movie did a little bit of that. So that was some clever horror camera work slash editing. But. Yeah, and that scene was pretty intense, and the button mask is very scary, and just the character of Decker is pretty frightening. Other than, I, yeah, I guess to understand his motivation, the only real way to understand it is, like, just from the psychological perspective, like you said, Andy. Like, other than that, like, I just don't see his motivation. Yeah, that was kind of one of the loose ends of this movie. I kind of, kind of bothered me without me really, right. like, really thinking about it too much. You'd think they would have tied it up. You know, you would think, like, it's like there, why? Would, there would be the allegory, but there would also be a film-relevant yeah. thing. Yeah. So, you, because you assume that he's... First, you think, like, he's some supernatural being. Right. Because he knows about these beings. Yeah. But then it seems like he's just human. That interaction, also the interaction that, uh, that first... That first... I mean, there's the dream he has of all the monsters at Midian... But I think it's... Is it Narcisse? Is it that the character? I think it might be... Yeah, I'm pretty sure Narcisse was uh, the character he meets in the hospital who cuts his face off. Mm. That was an interesting little interaction. He was a nice guy. He seemed like a good guy. Except later, he got kind of rapey a little bit. Yeah. Laurie. He kind of crawled on top of her. He's like, yeah, I hope I sorry. But he's yeah. kind of cute about it. Like, right. kind of <laughs> it he's like, oopsie. You know? I have to yeah. do this to maintain appearances. Yeah, he's like, I am a monster. <laughs> there is that. So... Sorry, but yeah, he was a cool character and he was funny and he was very '90s and he looked a little like Rick Mail to me I'm from the Young Ones. Sorry, I put my dick in you. Yeah, basically. And his whole like cutting his face off scene and like the how the monster, how like the monsters are a tribe yet you can become one sometimes. Like, was he one? Did he become one when he died? That was a little in, in maybe, unexplained. Maybe, US, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe like his. Well, his original power was that he didn't die. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Well, he the died thing is, is they don't. They just didn't know. Don't they? They don't. Wait, do they have sex? The nightbreed? I think they do. I mean, they have kids, right? Mm-hmm. They okay. definitely get sexy. Like that porcupine woman seduced that guy and then shot him with her 
at the end during the massacre. Yeah. She was being all sexy, and I was like, how's this guy attracted to this porcupine lady? That's weird. Like, <laughs> he's, he's going through I mean, she's got moves. <laughs> she's got moves. She's got shape, but she's a fucking cheetah porcupine thing, and, like, and she has a weird snake nose. Whatever, but the smoke lady was pretty hot. Mm-hmm. Smoke I mean, lady was hot, yeah. Yeah, she kind of, when she smokes, she turns naked. She's got a, she can't smoke in her clothes. Her clothes don't go smoky. Just her body and her, nope. and her makeup. Clothes don't smoke, baby, no. Mm. no clothes clothes no, don't no. smoke. But, and their god, Baphomet. Yeah. It was a little weird. Yeah. Is Baphomet supposed to be sort of like more of a... Goat. Yeah, a goat thing, thing. Rather than some yeah. weird... Queen Weird thing, queen bee thing. Egyptian. Looked like a queen kind of like thing. A queen it wasn't a ant queen. or it was, it, was, it was a male. It was a male. He yeah. had, yeah. had a male yeah. voice. He spoke. He had a male yeah. voice. I don't know if it was supposed to be male or female, but it wow. definitely was a male okay. actor. Yeah. But yeah. uh, you also know, why are you going to self him as he too? Mm-hmm. They use that he How did I not the get movie. that throughout the whole thing? I don't know. Like they like baffle it, blah blah blah. He. Okay. Well, good. That makes sense now. That makes sense that that's like sort of the things I was going to go with the, right. right there. Now it makes sense. Okay. But why destruct? Why self-destruct? If well, you I don't think that... he self-destructed. I think he just was moving because they had to leave. It's like a Ragnarok sort of thing. You gotta like destroy a thing for another thing. Yeah, because they like they like sense. Cabal is a Cabal. He unmade Midian, but they all still like him because he's right. To but he them. just there's like so is Baphomet coming back gonna grow into another statue? Maybe. I think they didn't they get the statue. So I think they. I thought the statue blew it. up. No, I think they like along with it. fog or mist lady. Didn't they grab it? They're like talking about bringing it with them. The whole thing like that, moving I it. I think so. Yeah, they're talking. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah. 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 Because we all like, watched the same version, right? I watched it with you. We all watched it together. Right. Yeah. I think at the I end they, 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 I know they were trying to recreate Midian. No, yeah, at the end they, they were recreating Midian, but I don't think they had yeah, they the did. statue. They did. They had the statue, but it wasn't the whole statue. It was like his torso on the head, and maybe like. Oh, right. okay. Okay. What do I know? I think right. so. There was that weird thing, like oh, the whole thing was when when well he made him cabal then, so the boon like goes mm-hmm. down there. No one's ever talked to Baphomet without being destroyed. Destroyed, but. Obviously, Boone isn't destroyed. Baphomet tells him he is now Cabal. His job is to find the new Midian. He's the chosen one. He's the chosen one. And they have all that thing. They have the like the prophecy written on the wall, and the the one weird bloody looking monster who gives him the bite that mocks death. Remember that's 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 how he became Nightbreed. So like he was Boone wasn't initially Nightbreed. I like how like they just introduce his prophecy like right at the end. Yeah. Well, they did show pictures of it. Like yeah, in the in credits. The, in the very beginning, yeah. Oh, okay. And a little later they showed some. It was in the background, but they didn't explain it. Hmm. And they have this weird, like, baptism scene where they bring Boone in. Like, they have that water pit thing. But it's also the same thing that, like, makes the priest all ugly monster. Right. Which, and that was another, like, weird turn of events. Yeah, a priest becomes a nightbreed, but then he wants to kill them, too. Yeah, but, but initially, he... like, he didn't want to kill them. He was like, this is this is an abomination. We can't do this. And then yeah. when they heard it, when they effed up his face, and it's like, it's not like you need to get laid anyway. You're a priest. Like, right. what are you worried about? Right. Now you're going to probably live forever. And Yeah, that was weird. That seems like they would... Was there sequels? That was, that was a sequel-seeking thing. Yes. Yeah, there sequel. wasn't a sequel, but they're comic book sequels. Oh, okay. It, like, stretches on in the comic book. Is the priest in the, the sequel? So the I, I didn't read them. Oh. I didn't even know they existed until I started reading about Nightbreed. Oh, okay. the movie. So, I did read the Hellraiser comic. Those are pretty sweet, so they probably are 
along the same lines done by Clive Barker. But yeah, I don't know. But the the variety of monsters was kind of cool. The mm. couple of the monsters I didn't quite understand. Like the monster who had like those two protruding dick things that like just suck, what do they do? Suck out eyes. Right. From his stomach? Yeah. 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 You know what was really weird? Huh. The fucking Hand well, in his the stomach fr- guy. His, his friend was cool. The little black like um, imp. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That guy was pretty cool looking. He was the coolest looking one. And uh, then there was that one. There was like the big fucking stomach with the head on the stomach. Yeah. That was that was definitely weird looking. I just kind of like. Tr- like spun around in circles and didn't do a whole lot. He didn't do anything. He just. There were the, the berserkers too. Berserkers, yeah. They eventually brought the berserkers out, which I thought was an interesting choice. Yeah. Because it was berserkers. Interesting. It's very like I just want to. It's very like Ragnarok sort of theme. Cause uh, you have I haven't your, seen Ragnarok. Well, Ragnarok is like. The end of days. Yeah. Right. In I don't know. Norse mythology. Yeah. Well, in Ragnarok, the movie. Yeah, they like Ragnarok gets destroyed, and uh, but that's like their home. Mm-hmm. But it's like the so the one so they get the one guy tells Thor that Thor is gonna destroy Ragnarok, and he's like, "Why would I destroy my? That's where I live. That's our realm, you know." But then he destroys it at the end to kill, so his sister doesn't get the power of of like take control of Ragnarok. Right. So, it's like, uh, I don't know. It's loose connections, I guess. Okay. So, it was probably, you know. It was obviously based on Nightbreed. Obviously. Obviously. Yeah. Okay, yeah. This is a movie, man, that has a lot of potential. Like, I'm interested. I want to see the Cabal cut. I want to see if it's any better. Like, if they maybe, like, were kind of cut some of those cheesy 90s scenes maybe cut that entire song out would have been a good choice or <laughs> I don't know I think that song's pretty integral to this movie yeah it's character it's building weird. it's weird her character is weird it, well it's such a 90s character too like what was his girlfriend doing she's a fucking lounge singer that's such like a 90s or just fucking like fucking deadbeat Loser lounge singer like Blue Velvet or hey, you know this what? was in the 90s. I just thought that was living, lucrative, but that was a lucrative living in the back city. Then. I just thought yeah, yeah, you know, we're talking about, you, well, I, I mentioned it doing like top 10 things. Yeah. Maybe like top 10 cheesiest songs in movies. Oh, yeah. Annoying this, this cheesy would, songs that get stuck in your head. Yes. Mm. I can't even think of it. Don't watch this. This song will haunt you for weeks. Not clickbait. Oh, that uh, one song. Uh, never mind. Right. Which one? Uh, there's uh, this uh, rock and roll devil band. Okay, so this guy is like an angel, but he's in a metal oh, band. Oh, is that the one that was on the, the Mystery, Mystery Science, Science Theater? Theater. But that, it, those the, songs were terrible. Those are the worst songs ever. I know that this was one. It's like... Oh, you were there. You watched those. Or just like any Thomas Pynchon song. Mm. Which like Devo's Whip It is based on, is supposed to be their version of a Thomas Pynchon song. Because if you read a Thomas Pynchon book, they're filled with bad songs that he writes himself. Oh, they're okay. like deliberately awful and just like Whippet's not a bad song no Whippet's a great song I mean they, I mean, they, they took it and made it some, something oh okay and, but his songs were like that like the readers would be like Whippet Whippet good into shape shape it up like <laughs> they're all very like <laughs> simple minded <laughs> okay yeah but yeah that was Devo's point in that song which is a great song I love Devo 
I think they're great. Cool. I love Mark Mothersbaugh. I think he's great. Mm-hmm. I think he's a great guy. I think he's a great man. He's a wonderful guy. Wonderful man. Would you did, suck his dick? Uh, yeah. I would definitely suck his dick. And he did this music for Rugrats and a lot of Wes Anderson That's fucking awesome. Boo, 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 boo. <laughs> <laughs> I guess <laughs> it's just the instrument he used was like a bad noise. A no-boo? It sounds like a voice. I don't think it's an oboe. Hmm. Yeah, it's weird. <clears throat> you guys remember that like song that the, the the blue alien lady sung, the opera oh. lady in Fifth Element? I remember it happening. I don't remember what the song sounded like. I just remember though. it was actually cool. Kind of cool. What about the song from the remake of uh, from the re yeah not the remake but the like redo or. Uh, Star Wars uh, Return of the Jedi when they re-released it they had this other oh yeah that song that was alright yeah. yeah it wasn't at least it's not like it seemed, super annoying it, it, yeah it was pretty annoying it seemed unnecessary it got stuck in my head it, well it's it, not it as annoying as this song no this of course not but it's the lyrics that are the problem with this song so poorly thought out and it's a song about well I mean I don't really have a problem with the theme of the song the theme of the song is a woman who who wants her man to get angry at her to show that he cares but yeah it's just a dumb song but my how the Johnny get angry turned. Johnny get mad <laughs> give me the biggest lecture that I've ever had oh, man. that was the main thing that oh, irritated me give me the biggest lecture that I've ever had oh. I want hey, my man to be a man I want my oh, man to be daddy. very wordy <laughs> really tell me when, when he's when he's not having he's not happy he's not having a good time do you want to be my daddy but yeah that 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 whole I feel the beginning of the movie that the whole beginning of the movie felt like that to me it was just very cheesy '90s setup Saved by the Bell characters mm-hmm. and that woman when she goes to the to where Midian is the tower Midian is in that woman she meets I don't Sherry I think is her name or yeah, maybe she, it's not Sherry something like that Sherry, Sherry or Cheryl Cheryl Ann I think was it Cheryl Ann yeah played by Deborah Weston <laughs> she was a stupid character. Right? Why she even died. have her there? She was completely she was unnecessary. There to die. She was there to die. She meets up with Dr. Decker, but she thinks his name is like Carl or something. And he yeah, seduces she didn't do her. anything. There was no purpose to her role. She showed she showed Lori where Lori Midian was, right. but anyone yeah. could have done that. And she could have just I guess like, she developed, she was like helped develop, wait, was her name Lori? Yeah. Lori, Lori's yeah. progression towards Midian. Right. Yeah. yeah. She. Yeah. Exactly. But she was such she a goofball. The, the, yeah, the murder scene cool. didn't even need to be there because Decker could have just been chilling at the bar with a fucking hat on and a martini, you know, and just follow her out the door. Well, could have wouldn't, also, that be, wouldn't that have been cooler? Yeah, creepier? but also gives him, it gives like just another like character for him to kill. To yeah. Further right. like develop him as like. Who a else? Yeah, he kills the the cop character, the black mm-hmm. cop. What's his name? Is he Hugh Corsey? Playing Detective Joyce. Yeah. That's pretty intense. How he's like, come look over here. He has like the his shit is just sitting on the seat of the truck. You gotta check this out. And he just stabs him. It's cold blooded, man. Mm-hmm. But then he's like, first the cops. I didn't catch what he said, but he's like something. He's like saying something, and he's like basically letting on that he's suspicious of Decker. Mm-hmm. And right. Then, and then Decker's like, well, you're dead now. He gives him this look. He's like, why don't you come over here? <laughs> yeah, why didn't even the go over there? Like, all right. Cops like, all right. Okay. Yeah, I'll come over there. What's this guy? Something you smoke something over there? <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Decker. I come anywhere for cocaine. 
<laughs> like, I'm not going over there. I got some cocaine. Okay. Oh, okay. Sounds good. All right. I'll be right over. I'll come right over there. There's also the scene with the old man in the little hut. That I know he had like a what was it like I can't remember what kind of shit it was a weird little shop he had he had the, it was like mm. the tag he talked to his taxidermy dog, then Decker shows up asking questions about Midian he claims not to know anything Decker has intuitively knows that he does know something about it but then he finds out that he wants to be one of the the, the night breed but they won't let him in because he's not cool enough so but he loves him anyway because he's like a fanboy so can we spend this further into our theories because so this is kind of so that guy. He's he so he's just a random guy and he also knows about Midian. Yeah. How do all these normal people know about Midian? Yeah. Right. It's like Cheryl. Well, Cheryl and, and all the rednecks, the army of rednecks. Midian was, but she didn't know about. It never said she knew about the the no. nightbreed though. But there's Dang, so Midian. there's the so there's Decker, there's this guy, and then there's the guy in the beginning who tries cutting his face off. Yeah. So there's just normal people. That guy seemed a little bit more involved. Listening to metal music. That's probably how they figured it out. Right. Yeah. Metal will lead you down some dark paths, man. Hmm. And then, so Cabal, or what? Boone. Boone, who? He knows about it basically through his dream. Right. He's a dreamer. So maybe... He is. He's a dreamer, man. And this goes back into, like, the the Freudian thing. Mm-hmm. You got dreams. Yeah. Dreams. And the moon, of course. Right. You got the moon. Nighttime. Nighttime. Moon's feminine. Mm-hmm. I don't know where else to go with that. Subconscious, yeah. The moon. Even though most of this movie is Shadow the self. The day. Yeah. Young. I feel like. Although, I, I, I get a more of a Freud vibe from uh, Dr. Decker. Yeah, it's definitely a little Freudy. He's got a Freudian thing going on. Yeah. He, he needs a, a, a like a young like character to come in. Sort what if this out. is really about Decker's Freud and Boone is young? Oh, mm. Could be. But you know, and then not young Clyde. Boone is trying to reintegrate the shadow. He's trying to reintegrate the shadow self, and Freud is not into that. He's like, no, we get the shadow out into the open through hours of boring analysis, and we destroy it. That's what we do here. And he's like, no, you integrate it, bro. That's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Here's an interesting twist on that little that little note. Um, not Clyde Barker, but David Cronenberg, who played Dr. Decker, later made a movie called The Dangerous Method, which is about the relationship between Sigmund Freud and Carl Jung. Oh, shit. Yeah. Really? Yeah. No, I'm going to watch that. So maybe he was, like, helping. He was like, hey, you should, if I'm going to be a psychiatrist, like... Maybe I should be like. Was that before or after? This was after. A few, yeah, late nineties, early. No, it's more like early two thousands. But Viggo Mortensen plays young. It's and uh, oh, no, Viggo Mortensen. I'm sorry, Viggo Mortensen. Mortensen plays Freud and uh, was it Michael Fassbender? I don't know that actor. His name is Fassbender. Fassbender. Yeah, uh, Michael. Michael. I think it's Michael. I think, I the guy who played the uh, the droid and the Prometheus. Yeah, Fassbender yeah. also played uh, he Magneto. Played, he played Young. Okay, cool. Or Jung, or however you say it. Yeah, I just say Young. Yeah. I don't know how to say that. Carl Young. Young, Young. Young Carl. Right. I can dig it. I can dig it. Yeah. Young. Mm-hmm. Give it to me in a bottle. I can swig it. And then, uh... <laughs> yeah. And then at the end, uh, Lori tries killing herself. Right. To be with, uh, cause, cause he, he won't take her with him. Yeah. 
She's he's, he's like, like I don't want to live. He's like, I, it's kind of. She's like, I'm gonna get old, and I know who said the thing about her getting old. Because if it was him, that'd be kind of fucked up. He's like, no, because I'm gonna be young and hot forever, no, and you're gonna get that. old. She's okay, good. And then she stabbed herself because he wouldn't take her with him. And then he bites her. And he bites her, gives her the bite that mocks death. It's like, Meh. death, stupid. I mean, I bet he's regretting that now. Yeah, he's stuck could, with you Laurie. You could further maybe spend The this. mediocre actress. So right, further, you could be with Porcupine Woman. You could further spend yeah. this. Hot and Porcupine then Woman. And is like the animus. And then she kills herself. Mm-hmm. And then he bites her, which is like a carnal thing. Yeah. And then she's alive again. Yeah. So, yeah. so crazy. So deep. So much to unpack here. Yep. Oh, boy. It's a lot. So there was a rebirth earlier in the movie when Boone dies and comes back. Well, I mean, he doesn't really die because he already had the bite, but, you know, he, like, explodes through the window. But does he go on his own, or just do they come and pick him up? It's kind of ambiguous. I think oh, he, the fact that the bullets oh. like regenerate got popped out of him well, leads yeah. me to believe that he left on his own. Okay. I yeah. I don't know. I assume because they picked up they picked up the the casings, which are sort of ridiculous because bullets. D- the, the casing stay. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. I didn't notice that. But if I did, oh. I would have been like, "What the fuck." Clyde mm-hmm. Barker might maybe never shot a gun. He's kind of an artsy boy, you know. Mm-hmm. He didn't know, but nobody on the set knew. Maybe I think they. I think the shells were there. I mean, it would be like I made it there. They'll be those shells and cheese. So let's put it here and make it look like this. Mm-hmm. Oh no! Unless no, they shot. Okay. They shot a bunch. You know what? Midian looked like to me. This movie in general looked like to me an adult version of Little Monsters, Fred Savage. Mm. It was almost the same set that Underworld they had as the Underworld and Little Monsters. Remember that movie, everybody? Yeah, everybody around the world. Little Monsters with Fred Savage and Howie Mandel played Maurice, the monster. He goes under the bed, and then they play pranks on kids. No. It's wow. a fun movie. Yeah. I mean, any any movie from the '80s with Fred Savage is gonna be. Fun. I don't know who that is. Wizard. Ooh, I, I, Wonder Years. You ever yeah. seen Wonder Years? Yeah. Kevin Arnold played Kevin Arnold. It's Kevin Arnold. The main the character in Wonder Years. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, I know who that is. Yeah, that's Fred I never Savage. knew he was in anything else. Oh yeah, uh, Ben Wh- Savage's brother. Yeah. Boy Meets World. That guy's brother. Wait, he, what? he was never in anything else. His little brother was in uh, Boy Meets World. He was also oh, in okay. the Monsters. He played for Fred well, Savage's yeah, little brother. That. Yeah. He was in Austin Powers Gold member too. Was he? Oh, Fred Savage was, yes, not yeah. Ben Savage. Yeah, right. he was the mole. Right. Who had a mole. Yeah. He was a who? He was the mole, but the joke was that he actually had a mole. I know it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've been thinking about revisiting those movies for years. Austin and Powers? I've never done it. Really? I have no desire to see those ever again. Maybe the first one. If I have to watch one of them, I'll watch the first one. Because I remember that being kind of funny, but I also remember them going way over the top in the second and third one. Just like constant puns, bad puns. First one had bad puns, but it was still like, it was just fun slapstick. Right. And then then the second and third one, they're they're doing the same thing, but like making it more extreme. Mm -hmm. Do you know that? So there's a Freddie Mercury movie on Michael Myers. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, he's, he's in, in it? it? I know he's in it. He plays some interesting he, characters. What does he play? I don't know. 
He, he was in that movie 54 about Studio 54. He played the, the oh, gay club owner of Studio There's two guys who own Studio 54. It's I a don't really remember famous club in... Uh, too much. You don't know what Studio 54 yeah, is, Yeah, I though? know. There was a movie about it. It was called... 54. No, I know. I've Ryan, seen a movie. Oh, you have seen 54. I just don't... I just remember it was Disco and Coke. Yeah. Disco and Coke and Famous People. I, and Mike yeah. Myers played the one club owner who was... He was the gay one. Oh. He was the gay one. It was very fun and gregarious. And then there was the straight one. It was like the business side. It was like if, it was like trauma, but with Lloyd Kaufman is the fun, gregarious one, and Michael Hers is the businessman. It was like that. Every work good relationship has one or the other. You know, you got both. Especially in today's competitive small business market. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think clubs are one thing that might still be doing all right today. Kids still got to go get get their fuck on. Uh, like, well. right? So he plays Ray Foster. I don't know who that is. Who plays Ray Foster? I kind of got Mike lost Myers. track here. Mike Myers? Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and then yeah, I think Mike Myers, after he did The Love Guru, I, I think his career kind of went away after that. Yeah. I, mean, I think he's still a voice actor. Oh, okay. That's, that's a good place to go. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, like, the Shreks went on. Oh, Shrek. Right. Forgot all about Shrek. But that seems like a low-maintenance thing to do after. I know. That sounds oh, like a popular a great actor. job. That seems sure. like a great transitional point for I mean, actors that oh, makes yeah. them not go insane. That's basically what, um... In the chair. That's basically no. what, uh... Eating a sandwich. Who's, uh... No one sees you. You have to bathe. Luke Skywalker. Mark Hamill. He's that's a voice ba- actor, That's yeah. basically all he did after Star Wars. Yeah. He's like, all right. I don't know much of an option he had otherwise, but, yeah, he's definitely, uh... <laughs> Well, yeah. that was a cool thing about Star Wars. They used a lot of unknowns, and they made some unknowns known. Well, how many? How many? I mean, how many movies was Harrison Ford in really at that point? In that point, not many. Hundreds yeah, of so thousands. He, he, they made. He him. got out of that hole. He's the only one. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's not true because uh, Princess Leia, Carrie Fisher, was in some stuff. I mean, she wasn't like yeah. she didn't have major roles, but I mean, she wasn't that. But that's the point. They didn't need like great actors for that movie Star right. Wars because it was so concisely written. And it just so was not about the acting. I mean, if it was really bad, it would have stuck out, but and, it just and, had to be pretty good yeah. to carry the movie. Then, but then you have James Earl Jones, who voice acted. Oh, yeah. In the movie. Right. And then... That's right. The other stuff. And there was that... I think like, he's a good actor. I like James Earl Jones? Yeah. Sure, man. Really Conan. He's great in Conan. He plays... Uh, What's his name? I liked him in Whatever. Field of Dreams. In what? Field of Dreams. Yeah. Oh, Field of Dreams. Wait, is that that baseball thing? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Field of Dreams, man. I, I used to get him I confused with Lawrence wait, Fishburne. Is that Madonna? For some reason. Madonna's They're way different than me. No, 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 wait. I'm thinking there's that. No. Okay. There's oh, like a oh, female baseball. League of Their Own. League of Their Own. I was remember the scene where Tom Hanks pees in that movie. His pee goes on for like two minutes straight. It's freaky. He's, he's a lot of peeing. With t- I feel like there's a lot of I feel like there's internet videos about like scenes, like where in Tom movies, Hanks pees. Where Tom Hanks pees, like because in Green Mile, the whole movie's about how he can't pee because he has like a urinary tract infection, and then mm. the guy like touches his dick and it goes away, and then he like can party again. And he's all happy and definitely got a pee in Apollo thirteen and bags. And yeah, stuff, or like pee bags. Like, there's something about the American psyche and wanting to see Tom Hanks pee. <laughs> He's just such a, like, a good guy. We're like such the, a good peer. He's such a good pe- peer. He's just gotta be good at peer. He's not Tom Cruise though. Like Tom Cruise is like he's sort of a little like he's really handsome. So people are like, oh, there's Tom Cruise. There he goes. But Tom Hanks is kind of goofy looking. He's kind of like a fun uncle look to him. You know, <laughs> he's got that fun uncle. He's the kind of guy you want to see pee. Look, fun uncle. He's in the Burbs. 
which is a great movie. Of course, The Burbs is awesome. I never saw that. Oh my god, I love The Burbs, but it's great. Night Root, sorry. Oh, it looked like the labyrinth. The set did. It reminded me of the labyrinth. Just the way the set looked when they went. I mean, Midian. Midian specifically reminded like me of the labyrinth. Labyrinth had a lot more like expansive shots. Oh well, labyrinth was better. Yeah, it's better art direction. Better direct. I mean, also labyrinth is beautiful. We should. I probably should have mentioned this during uh, like visually during Munchausen. But Terry Jones, who directed Labyrinth, also Monty Python, the other Terry. It seems like him and Terry Gilliam, they have this sort of similar style, but, like, it seems like they're always kind of competing with each other. Obviously, Terry Gilliam is much darker. Like, Terry Gilliam is doing, like, 12 Monkeys. Terry Jones is doing The Labyrinth. And what else is... I'm very curious to find out what movies he's directed at this moment in time, and I'm going to look it up. But, yeah. But you got the two Terrys. Terry and Terry. Roy wrote that. Mm. On my notes, my son wrote, Poo! Mm -mm, Nice. Yeah, which is... Yeah. He's learning to spell. Good for him. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Poo. He's like, Dad, look what I spelled. Look what I spelled. You see that? Poo. Huh? Good job, son. Good. Well done. Write on my notes. Thanks. Thanks the load. Director. I'm not... Well, I know he... He co-directed, uh... The Holy Grail with Gilliam. Mm-hmm. Oh, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Yes, of course, which he played Mr. Toad and Eric the Viking. That's one I was thinking of. And he did all of the meaning of life. And I think he is credited with Life of Brian, but I feel like he also Terry Gilliam might have worked on that too. I was looking at the IMDb and I kept. It was really weird, like what he was like. They would credit him on one page for something, but then on the next page it would oh. be like, oh, he only like. I'm sorry. On this page he directed it, but on this page he only wrote it. I don't think he did the... I guess I was wrong. I don't see the labyrinth here. I wonder who did direct the labyrinth now that... It seems very Terry Jonesy to me. Could have been. Anyway, maybe it was like Frank Oz or some motherfucker. Terry Jones and me. Why is there a 2017 The Labyrinth? <laughs> is there a remake of The Labyrinth? Do we really need that? It's, it's going to happen. People ran out of fucking shit. Yeah. No, people Dude, say the labyrinth like does not show up, just is not no showing up on IMDb at all. Does it not exist? It's just called labyrinth. Is that, yeah. Is that why? Yeah. I think. No. What the? Okay. Well, I'm I got it. it. Right. It is just labyrinth, not the labyrinth. Who directed you? Jim Henson. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Because of That's why it's puppets. a better movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Wait, when was the labyrinth? Uh, 1986. Wait, 86? Yeah, 1986. David Bowie, co-starring Bowie's cock. Oh, for some reason, I was, I thought, what the fuck? I was thinking of Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, I just watched that. That's Guillermo del good. Toro. It was very good. Very much, it was very, very dark. Yeah. Yeah, Holy yeah shit, that's, that's dark. what I was thinking of. That's why I was like, I was kind of weird that you were... Comparing right. them, the disco no. donkey. But yeah, no. But certainly, like the set, the way that I mean, cool. the set design. Obviously, they're using like foam cutouts and shit. I, mean, I actually, I, Pan's Labyrinth was okay. I, didn't, I, didn't I really know. liked it. I, I I, I, it no, no, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You mean Lab Labyrinth is okay? Oh, Labyrinth okay. is like a movie. Like, like okay, I like it, but it's like for like teenage goth girls to get into. Like that's 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 the market. You know? oh, okay. Pan's I Labyrinth. Dig it. I dig Labyrinth. I'm not gonna watch it again probably until my kid wants to watch it, but. 
Yeah, it's okay. It's got Bowie. I love Bowie. But Bowie's great. Jennifer Connelly, too young to interest me in this movie, so that's out the window. But uh, I know a few years later, she'll be doing ass to ass in um, what you call it, uh, Requiem for a Dream. Requiem. The Requiem. The Requiem. Was, was David Bowie in other movies? Yeah, he's in The Man Who Fell to Earth. He was in uh, Vampire's Kiss. Oh, never saw those. Uh, he was in. We've talked about this before. He was in the Prestige as Tesla. And, yep, and Zoolander. Wait, wait. As himself. He was Tesla. Yes. What? We talked about this before, and you didn't believe me. <laughs> <laughs> Still on doesn't. on this podcast, it's recorded. It's been documented. It's canon. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> it's canon. What? Yeah, Bowie Bowie gets around until I mean not anymore. He's dead. So, but he did did a lot of cocaine too, and for a while he did not he ate nothing but peppers and drank milk. This wasn't when he was really into cocaine. I think he was just trying to maintain a certain high. But <laughs> David Bowie. David Bowie, yeah. And he also had that. Oh, Bowie had the house where like it was where he tried to summon a demon apparently in the swimming pool, and his wife corroborated that. There was this huge, like, smoke cloud in the pool, and then the people who bought the house after him said there was this black spot in the bottom of the pool, and they hired to be professionally clean, and then it showed up again. But that's pretty cool. He tried, apparently summoned a demon, so. It's Bowie for you. He's deep into all that Golden Dawn stuff. I mean, this is post-Golden Dawn. Golden Dong. Golden Dong. The Order of the Golden Dong. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's Bowie's Dawn. It's gold. It's in there. Stupid hat. (laughs) Okay, there was a cool, I mean, there was some cool creature effects, like, I'm sure they they used a little bit of animatronics, and I think they might have used a little bit of claymation here and there. And I know that they added a lot of stuff, even to the director's cut, some of the, some of the effects were added in, but the Cabal version, obviously, is said to have much more, but again, I haven't seen it. I'm very curious to see if any of the massive cheese factors been eliminated in the Cabal version of it, but... I right. doubt it. I I'd doubt be it. willing to watch it again. But the there's a lot of movies version. I like that have that cheese factor to it, you know? There, it's, I, it's something I can tolerate. Except for a couple points in this movie, it's a bit too much. You know, one thing I thought was interesting was that when, his, when Dr. Decker do- doses him with LSD. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't, like, put him off enough to Dr. Decker. Like, <laughs> is he still like, hey, Dr. Decker? Like, he doesn't immediately, like, oh, shit, this guy's obviously out to get me, like gave me LSD instead of lithium. Like, it's not good. I don't think it's LSD. No. It says they it, didn't have the camera that's what technology it says. to mimic LSD. That's what, oh, in no, the movie, that's what it says in well, the movie. In the, no, in the he's, Wikipedia, like, he's like, dude. what have you been taking, son, after he's in the he hospital? Said lithium and and he like, says, like, no. lithium. And well, no. He looks at it, and he's like, oh, this is, this is a hallucinogen. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, well, first of yeah. all, how would the doctor know it's a hallucinogen by just looking at the pill? Right. Because they don't, there's no prescription hallucinogens. Right. So, I don't, I, well, I think there might have been a gap in time there. There might not have been. But I think there might have been a gap in time where he had time to analyze what the pills they found on him were. But obviously it wasn't lithium. The Wikipedia says it was LSD, but the movie just says it's hallucinogen. That's you would never know that from the cinematography either. But also, who just lets their doctor just hand them a prescription? That's not how it works. Here you go. <laughs> Here you go. Here's You're good. You got uh, these. You got these. After, and like, two, two, you hadn't even these? seen him in years at this point. Like, he'd stopped going to him, like... That's another thing. Why do you stop going? Anyway, that Dr. Decker is a real double-decker douchebag. Mm-hmm. Oh, that scene with the man in the little hut. 
Earth shop, whatever it is. When he tortures them and he says, like, because mm-hmm. you're insane, he says, I am not. I am death or something like that. Which is, like, supposed to be cool, but it came out as kind of cheesy. But overall, I would he was say. like poking him with a knife. Like, yeah. Tell me. Uh, you should tell me. You got it. You just. Come on. Mm. Yeah. That was kind of weird and goofy. I'm not sure how I feel about David Cronenberg's acting in this movie. It's okay. It's kind of silly. Mm-hmm. The, the girl who played Laurie, I think, is, is the hardest to deal with. She kind of bothered me. That yeah, she's a little bothersome. She's a little annoying. And when she gets in the Midian, you're kind of like, oh, just go away. Get out of <laughs> I here, I think Laura. the best actor in this Stop movie is the, the old elder guy. Oh, yeah, I would like the oh, yeah. eye slits, mm-hmm. but you don't know where eye slits until way later. But there's eyes under his little cheek slits. Wait, I never knew that. Yeah, they open up when he's like, after he gets killed. Right, and they just open up, and there's four eyes. Oh. Uh-huh. So four eyes. Four eyes, well, six. Six eyes. Eight eyes. Eight. There's three slits on each oh, side. Oh, I thought there was only two on each side. So, yeah, eight. I think. I don't know. I don't know either. There were at least a couple. Uh-huh. Oh, you know what's weird? They were talking about doing this as a sci-fi show. That sounds That'd be interesting. On sci-fi, the network. That'd be a better way to make a June mythology. 2018, they announced that they were actually doing it. So, who knows if they're actually... St- I mean, they've, they've announced on it sci-fi? more than once. Wait, yeah, on sci-fi out channel. in June? No, they announced that they were going to start start making it in June 2018. Oh. But I don't know where it went after that, or if it's still going on. But the sci-fi channel had the rights to it last I heard, and they were going to produce a show, maybe with Clyde Barker. Which could be cool, as long as they avoid the obvious pitfalls. I just can't understand how he went from making Hellraiser, which is just such a cl- like solid, good horror movie with great dialogue and just feels right. And it's genuinely disturbing it to this. And I don't know. I mean, there's obviously there's the tone is all over the fucking place. Like it just is. And that could be influenced from like more or Morgan Creek getting involved and in trying to make it into more of a slasher movie, but it could also just be like that. That's why I'm saying I'm interested in seeing the Cabal cut because I want to see if like the tone gets ironed out into just one. Right? Movie. Maybe it's incredibly more violent and believable. Right. I think. Well, I think he was going more for fantasy. That's, right. That's what it seemed. Oh, to be. world building. Yeah. Yeah. And and they tried to make it more dark and disturbing, and he wanted to make it more just about the like. It's fun. Like, they're having fun. They're monsters. We, we wish you, you should want to be one. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Clyde Barker is a cool guy, though. I, remember I saw a cool interview with him on uh, Politically Incorrect before with Bill Maher. Seemed like a good, solid dude. But, yeah, I mean, you guys have seen Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. Is this movie anywhere near as good as Hellraiser? No. No, it's not. I mean, it's cool. It's definitely cool. It's just not as good of a movie as Hellraiser, for sure. And then, I mean, but then neither at Wishmasters and it's more of the same of this. It's cheesy, but without anything interesting. Wishmasters is just a dopey, yeah. it's just a genie story. Yeah. But have you ever seen Event Horizon? Was that Clyde Barker? No. It would make sense if it was. I have seen Event Horizon. I do. I, mean, I, don't, I don't think it was. I just think it took inspiration from like Hellraiser. Right. That's why I always assume. I don't. I like Event Horizon though. Mm-hmm. It's a good movie. I wonder who made that. I want to know. But yeah, it reminded me a lot of uh, John Carpenter's uh, In the Mouth of Madness, but in space. Oh, it was the same actor, too. That's probably why. But 
Event Horizon directed by well, it tells you it's produced by but now it's directed by that's kind of unsettling oh uh, Paul W.S. Anderson I know that name what else did, uh, Paul W.S. Anderson I know this fucking guy I know that guy. And also, apparently, Nightbreed oh, had an eleven yeah. million dollar budget, whereas Hellraiser only had a one million yeah. dollar budget. Yeah, oh yeah, Nightbreed eleven million. Even... Well, only I thought it was two million for Hellraiser. Are you sure it's? It said one million estimated. Oh okay, yeah, but yeah, it was eleven million for Nightbreed, so we wasn't hurting for money to get it done. But yeah, the reason Paul W S Anderson is uh, reminded me or was familiar is because he's made a lot of bad stuff. He made Resident Evil. He made Mortal Kombat. He made a lot of video game movies. Like, oh, we need a we need we need a, a mediocre uh, uh, adaptation of a video game, huh? It's I can do it. Anderson, <laughs> call him up. He's not doing anything. Oh, he did a, he did a remake of Death Race, which we should definitely cover at some point. It's a great '70s sci-fi hilarity with Jason Statham, of course. That looks stupid. It's all hell. But okay, I, yeah, there's not much, there's not much else I have to say about night about Nightbreed other than it's it's an interesting mix of a really good concept and some really good scenes and, and it's fun to watch but it is goofy as all fuck. It was definitely made at the wrong time. I feel like yeah, like give it ten it was, years yeah. plus or minus. I feel like right. it would have been. It was great. so influenced by or its time. Or maybe it was made at the perfect time and now they're gonna make a show. They better. Yeah. That better I be a good show. Could, if it, they make it. It's a great concept for a show. A show about so, an underworld of monsters. Sci-fi Channel doesn't really make good shows. No, they don't. They make horrible shows. Sci-fi makes horrible everything. Which seems like you would. It seems like at this point you want to like catch up to the other networks. Right. So you they have they like what is it? FX and then AMC uh-huh. and stuff. Yeah, they're, they're all putting like, out top level mm-hmm. shows. Not sci-fi so much. Which used to be a great channel once upon a time. It was like, but their whole thing was Quantum Leap. Yeah, they were showing uh, syndicated uh, programs. Was on sci-fi, wasn't it? Yeah, was it? Yeah, yeah, it was. So that was a good show that they had. Mm -hmm. Wait, they actually they made that. It's a great show. It was a great show. It was just on that that channel. I mean, I I know Universal had a lot to do. Well, with a couple of the episodes at the very. I mean, if they made that, then definitely that's that's, something. That is something. There's potential there. I don't know. But it doesn't seem. They made Firefly. I haven't seen. No, no, it was Fox. It was Fox. Fox. I mean, and I remember Sliders was cool when it was on Fox, and then they started. They got the rights to Sliders, Mm -hmm. and then it went downhill. Yeah, well, sci-fi is known for making horrible, horrible movies. Like the sci-fi produced movies are the worst. Yeah, but Wait, I, I can't even find some of the ones from like my childhood sci-fi. that I Doesn't actually like liked. Right. Like what they were I mean, trying they to air it. Maybe I just, you know. I don't know if they made it. That's what we're talking. That's what. But uh, it just seems like a very high production level. Basilisk is one I remember that was really yeah. terrible. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the old sci-fi. Well, it wasn't old, but you know, late '90s, early thousands were. Uh, there's a creature on an asteroid that's going to hit Earth, and they have to build engines into the mm. asteroid, and this, they awaken this creature, and it kills everyone. Cool. Cool concept. Mm-hmm. But since it was done by sci-fi, I imagine it was not that great of a movie. No. But it was cool. I didn't, liked it. I think sci-fi did Sharknado, the original one, didn't they? I don't know. I feel like they did. It would be right up their alley. Oh, yeah. It's their cheese level, for sure. Delicious cheese. I like cheese. Super good. 
I don't know. There were certain things in this movie, like the button eye mask. That could have been a movie all on its own. Some creepy button eye mask killer. Should have saved it. It was like, what was it, like the creatures in Coraline, kind of. I don't know. I feel like it's been used since then. Similar mask slasher films. And they were obviously going for a slasher thing. But it was so just half-baked and not important to the movie that it just felt weird that it was even there. Like, I don't even know if it was necessary for him to be this weird slasher serial killer in the movie. It just felt like such a side note. It, when he oh. was killing outside of, like, his main directive, which was to That, that did air on... Midian people. It did air on sci-fi. What did? Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. So, there you go. There's a good show. Sharknado Sharknado was a sci-fi show, too. Okay. Yeah, people got all fucking crazy about Sharknado. I've never even seen it. It just looks too stupid. It's garbage. Of course it is. And then you got, like, Snakes on a Plane. Have you guys ever seen Snakes on a Plane? Mm -hmm. I have not. Because I just saw it, and I was like, there's no way this is going to be okay. No. Was it any good? No. no, not really. <laughs> You're just like, I mean, it was so just sad. Samuel L. Jackson being Sam Jackson. Like, yeah. yeah, that was. They the, made him like, say, say motherfucker more. They went back and filmed mother. Oh. Just added motherfucker into the dialogue after they already filmed it for a PG-13 <laughs> rating. Okay, but it was produced by NBC Universal Television Studio, and then for a few years, then it was produced by Universal Media Studios, mm-hmm. and then Universal Cable Productions. So they didn't actually produce it. I see. Right. But they just aired it through then? I guess. They were the first to air it, though. That's weird. Interesting. Cool. Cool. Good. I mean, because I know, like, the first episode, and then, like, uh, was it called Razor? Like, in the middle. They like, it was like a. Beginning of the third or second or third season. It was like another, like, movie type thing. Yeah. There was, like, you know. Yeah, it was. It was like a long form. Yeah, I got very three hours. I got very sucked into Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, it was cool. It was but they, yeah. one of the ideas that was pretty original was how like the the psych the Cylons, is that yeah. what they're called? Yeah. Like the the human ones looking mm-hmm. or whatever, they would like some of them were having these weird like prophetic like religious episodes. Yeah. You remember that? Mm-hmm. That was, that was pretty interesting. That was weird. And that what was it there was like a Cylon that was having a baby? Yes, that was a big deal. Yeah, it was. It was the the Asian one. Yeah, the Asian one, Boomer. And they had the that those the 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 constant. It was interesting. The constant like Athena. Well, the shaky camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the kind of it's like oh, a yeah. reality television or something. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that was kind of a cool yeah approach to that because it kind of felt like you're just like down home on the ship with everybody. Yeah, it's like it was documentary style. And they frack, 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 frack this, frack, frack you. Frack your mom. Just frack it. You go frack yourself. Frackin' ass. Frack that. <laughs> I just Frackin' real. That was a good way around, get around like, getting to swear a lot. It's really, it's really weird when they use it in, like... In the, the like, serious the, conversation? No, in the... Uh, frackin' outrageous. In, no, and I've no, frackin' no, no, had it with fine, you. whatever. It's in, like, the overtly sexual oh, context. Yeah. Like, I want to... Instead of I want to fuck you, I want to... Frack you. Frack you so hard. Oh my god, let's frack. Let's frack till we're both bad and chafing. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, oh, frack. Oh, you oh, frack me. so hard. I heard you fracked Betty. Oh, yeah. You, <laughs> you fracked that pussy. You fracked that pussy so good. Frack it. Frack it. Frack it. Frack me. Wow. Frack me in the... This episode is... 
be great if it just said that. Yeah. <laughs> now they're just trying to see what they can get away with. <laughs> Who's the character, the blonde pilot character, who's like drunk and she was cool? Or she had a period where she was getting drunk a lot. Frack shell. She was like the main woman know. character. She's the blonde. Like, I know you're talking about. I don't remember the names. I don't remember anybody's name. Or there was like the sad like co-pilot guy or whatever. There was the, the old man who wasn't ever just almost his wife was like a drunk who was always cheating on him. Yeah. And he was always getting loaded. Oh. That was oh, sad. Okay. That whole Wait, story arc. What was the question? Oh, the first. The first. Well, the first question was what was the blonde girl's name? But uh, the. Like the, the main Cylon. character. No, the, no, she wasn't Cylon. She was in Cylon. Uh, the Asian I know who was in Cylon. Talking about the si- uh, I know. Uh, Katie Sackhoff is her real name. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Sackhoff. Yeah, Sackhoff. <laughs> nice. Uh, Frack Sackhoff. Uh, Kara. Kara was the character. Mm-hmm. And her call sign was Starbuck. 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 That's what go. I was yeah. thinking of. That's what, yeah. well, Starbuck was a man in the original series. Correct. Okay. Uh, Starbuck was the guy that played Tom Zarek. I think. I never really watched the original ones. Right, but the guy that played Tom Zarek in, like, the newer ones mm-hmm. was originally... The original Starbucks? No, no, no. No. Oh, what? Maybe he was, uh, like, maybe he was Lee Adama or something. Wait, so one of the cast members in the new one but played in the old one? Yeah. I didn't, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, the guy that plays the rebel Tom Zarek guy that was on the prison ship and he, like takes over the prison ship and then he like runs for president and he becomes the vice president (laughs) right that's close enough yeah Tom Sarek the president was a woman what was the what was the spinoff of that show Caprica 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 what the fuck was that I remember uh, I thought it was going to be really good and I it was, started watching it and was like not about catch. Cylons. I think I... Well, right. It was about the, like, the beginning and, and the of virtual reality when they thing. first started making Cylons. Right. And yeah, there was, was this like, virtual reality component to it too. Like everyone was getting into virtual reality gaming which was like a photo realistic worlds people would go into. And Yeah. Right. Well, they would... I remember yeah. watching some of that. And the one... Like the guy who worked on the Cylons like he like he copied like his dead daughter's like... Like he, Avatar, he, he got it from the game, right? right. And, and then there was downloaded it into the Wait, is that? Cylon. Yeah, oh. never mind. It was it Battlestar Galactica, or it was Battlestar Galactica that opens up with the blonde woman, the other blonde woman. Now I was going to talk about the Cylon, right? Where she kills a baby in the like the first five minutes of the show. Yeah, that was yep. intense. Yep. Yeah, but like really She's awesome. Like, oh, it's neck. so soft. So much oh. crack. That's not that good. You should make another one. Harder <laughs> next time. Oops, you could never crack my neck like that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I- I'm gonna call it. This has been a lovely show. I've enjoyed it. Nightbreed. Mm-hmm. Great. Baron by Munchausen. Also awesome. great. Next awesome. week we got Moon and Moonraker. Moon and Moonraker. Moon and Moonraker. So we're gonna have like a movie like about the moon. Yeah. We're gonna have actual moon in Moon. Yeah. This reminds me of our like genocidal animation show. They like, go, I like this. Do they go inside weird. the moon? I think they go inside the moon. I don't. They know. mine it for helium. I've never watched it. They're mining it for helium. It. I haven't watched it. So they go in the moon. They have to mine. Yeah, they go in to mine it. Yeah. Yeah. They, okay. I mean, it occurs in a, on a base that's on. And the then moon. Moonraker. I don't think they ever go to the moon. The, uh, it, the app. The 
the thing's just called Moonraker. The spaceship. Oh, the yeah. thing. I could have been okay. really obscure. Per- they go to Moonraker, yeah. and it's called Moonraker, could- and it's called Moonraker because right. it's raking moons. Yeah, like raking up the moon. But I could have been really obscure and chose. It's called grooming. European vacation because Moon Unit Zappa is in Moon. She's a guest star in European Vacation. Mm. Would that have been reaching too far? Nope. Yes. <laughs> you no. think so? No, I don't think so. Right. I think we've been fine. We've been fine. You said movies about moons. It's like, how many can there be? Right? I mean, Apollo 13. I didn't say moons. Obviously not about moons moon moon units. No. No, obviously not. No one gives a fuck about some Ron Howard. No, maybe it's a three-parter, guys. <laughs> next. <laughs> the next topic will be movies with moon units up. Which would be like two. <laughs> European Vacation and some other version of European Vacation. <laughs> the theatrical cut. All right. All right. That'll do it. Bye-bye. See you guys.